<clears throat> What's up, YouTube? I'm live. I don't even know if this is going to be a good idea or not, but I was just sitting here randomly um, in my home. If you don't know, I work from home um, because I'm a full-time dating coach for some of you skeptical fucks out there. This is my job. I own the company Broad Dating Advice. We have revenue coming in. We got customers. We got an email list. We we do big things and we make business moves over here. But anyways, I'm sitting over here because I got a brand new laptop computer and um, literally a week ago. Why? Because here's the thing. Some of you guys follow me on Instagram. And as you come into this live stream, let me know if you follow me on Instagram, right? I will be so surprised um, because we got like 1,000 followers on Instagram and 18, almost 19,000 followers on YouTube. So the people who follow me on Instagram, those people are the real fans and they see what goes on on a day-to-day -day basis because I'm uploading stories because, you know, I just started one day to just say, say to myself, I'm going to stop taking social media and content and business so damn seriously because then it starts to feel like a job. What I'm going to do is set my ambitions high and have fun with it, you know, show up, be me, self-entertain. And this is all stuff that you learn going out, meeting women, um, being self-entertaining, not being so serious, being light and being playful, right? But you gotta, you gotta be able to apply that same type of freeness and mentality to other areas of your life. So for me, I started recently just posting stuff that I enjoyed seeing on my Instagram. And I feel like the followers have been going up because people are staying, people are engaging with that. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, then you will know I just got this like upgraded couch because if you've been watching Raw Dating Advice for a while, I used to do some vlogs and stuff and I uh, moved into this apartment in downtown Phoenix. It's kind of like a luxury apartment, but it's like super modern, which means that there's not a lot of space um, because they're like, oh, it looks nice. So you don't, you don't need a huge apartment. So I have a, an office slash studio over there. I got this living room, but I moved in and I was like, I'm just going to make this, this place, my biggest fucking office ever. And I had like whiteboards everywhere. I was like, we're going to take over raw dating advice. And I bought that said, I didn't focus on like getting actual furniture. So I got like this hundred dollar couch off the internet that I didn't even sit in to begin with from Ikea. And they delivered it here. And it was so shitty. Had a lot of good times on it, um, especially when I started dating my main girl right now. But like, trust me, a lot of good times on that couch. But it sucked ass. And um, so recently, uh, I decided to upgrade the couch. I was like, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to finally get some adult furniture in this place and furniture that I enjoy being on. So that said, I've been working a lot, not in my office now, but on the fucking couch because it's like sturdy enough for me to sit and be comfortable on my back. Like, look at this. Look at this. This thing is fucking huge. Huge. Don't judge my dirty apartment and my dog. But anyways, um, yeah, dude. And so the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm out here and I have this ledge now that's like really convenient to just like rest stuff upon. And I was editing a video for I believe Legendary Game, which is our recent program that Raw Dating Advice just released. It's a badass weekly coaching program. Anyways, I was editing one of the pieces of uh, training content for Legendary Game and I set my computer right here on the new couch while it was like rendering, um, which means it's, like, it's exporting from the video editing software so I can upload it to the internet. And it's rendering and that process takes, uh, it could take anywhere up from like 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how good your computer is. My computer was five years old, right? And so it's getting a little bit up there. It's been, it's, it's a seasoned laptop. I rest it here, it's rendering. 
and I fucking come back down to the couch after I get some lunch or something and make a sandwich and fucking knock it off the edge of the couch, my computer, right? And so it ended up breaking, didn't work. Um, and so I took it to the Apple store and this is all like a week ago and this was entirely documented on my Instagram, took it to the Apple store and they're like, yeah, this thing's basically fucked and it's old as shit. So you might want to just upgrade your computer. I was like, well, luckily we got a business card for business expenses and being that it's almost tax day, April 15th. And if, if you're in the U S um, this is a good time for me to just write shit off for next year. Right. And so I wrote off getting a new computer to replace the one that was rendering all the fucking trainings for a legendary game. Um, and long story short, the computer, uh, actually keyboard, the T key wasn't working this morning. I was like typing a newsletter typing. And every time I go hit the T key, it like, it wasn't working. Right. Um, and then I would like go back and I'll be like, what the heck? And if I pressed it hard, like with intention, then it would fucking work. But if I was like typing fast, which I tend to do, then if I would just lightly press the T key, it wouldn't work. And so, um, I get off the phone with Apple support just now and I'm like, I just had a good ass conversation with this senior citizen lady in Florida who's doing Apple support, probably from a retirement home in Florida. Right. And I'm like, this is cool because it's really refreshing to get on the internet or like get on customer service and actually talk to someone on the phone. And not only is it like a normal person who's a pleasant person to talk to, but it's not some like cheap factory in India where they have a call center full of people that are just like getting paid a couple bucks an hour by Apple over in the U S to do customer support. I really appreciated it. So, um, this conversation, I had this conversation with this lady just about everything, life, um, black holes, science, time travel, uh, shitty dates with my girlfriend, things like that. And I was like, damn, this is like, this is what being an attractive man is right now. I'm not saying in that moment I was attractive to her, but I'm like, we've all met those people who take life a little bit too seriously, whether it's their business or whether they're going out to meet women, going out to approach women. You see how I connected all this, this long tangent of a story back to the dating advice. Yeah. I kind of do that shit sometimes. Uh, so yeah, a lot of times we go out, we're like, Oh, I got to get good with girls. I got to talk to girls. I got to approach girls. But then you forget like, get out of your head, get out of your own way and maybe just have some fun at the same time. Like, yeah, go talk to chicks, but don't take it so seriously that you can't have fun. Right. And so the reason, uh, that conversation with that Apple support lady who was a senior citizen from Florida, really cool to talk to. Um, I just, I was like, why can't every interaction be like this? Why can't every interaction just like raise people's mood up a little bit? Right. I, recently took on this philosophy about, um, a couple weeks ago, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. If you've realized that I've kind of been off YouTube for a few weeks because I've been doing a lot of thinking about the future of the company and the direction we're going to go. And, uh, and one of those was, I just needed that creative break to figure out what type of content do I want to start putting out? That's not only going to be valuable for the guys who subscribe to raw dating advice, but also is entertaining. So they actually enjoy it. But also I feel like if I have a platform of any kind, even though relative to like the million subscriber channels, like 19,000 people, 18 and a half thousand people, which is what we're at now is a hell of a lot of people, a hell, like imagine 19,000 people standing in the same room as you, you, you'd be in a stadium. Some stadiums aren't even that big, 
right? And so when that hit me, when I visualized that, I was like, this is really a platform and whether or not I realize it, I'm probably influencing a lot of people that I don't even think about. So I better start really thinking about what, like, how do I want to present myself to the internet, but more like what kind of impact do I want to have on these people? And so I made the commitment to myself a few weeks ago um, that whether I'm influencing someone through a camera or I'm meeting them or talking to customer service that is helping me or even my customer service department, which if you don't know, like it's really big that I'm in a position to where I can have a business talking about things I enjoy, um, impacting other people, but also uh, a business that has a platform like this, right? That's influence and the ability to bring in enough revenue because I'm giving value. It's an exchange of value to where I can hire people. I can create jobs. Like that's a big deal to me. So we have, I have a few people who do customer support for me, which is amazing because now, you know, I don't have to do that anymore, which obviously if you're, if you're growing a business, you want to be able to delegate stuff that doesn't necessarily um, have to be involve your unique skill set. And so that's a big deal for me. And I feel like whether it's my customer service or me interacting with, just people I randomly meet or me interacting with women I, who I approach or people I'm inter- influencing through the internet, I want to leave them feeling better than when they first started talking to me. Like I don't ever want to leave that interaction and have them feel in like a, a, a worse mood, whether it's directly attributed to me or not. I want to leave them in a higher vibration. I want to make them feel better, whether it's making them laugh or just simply being so free myself to where I'm not afraid to talk to the Apple support lady about time travel and about age and about shitty dates and about things like that to where we both left that conversation feeling a a sense of reward, a sense of refreshingness. And I was, it's all kind of come together after that. And this literally just happened, which is why I was like, you know what? Fuck it. The sun's out. I'm going to put open my computer. I'm going to stop working for two seconds and start turning like talking to my audience and not necessarily feeling the need to have a huge um a lot of editing or music but also just being able to be myself and give value at the same time with stuff that's actually going on in my life and i think that's the future of not only the internet but being authentic um and even just dating in general like if you've watched if you've been in the dating scene for the last few years take a drink real quick if you've been in the dating scene for a few years or if you've followed this stuff, maybe back when it first got popular on the internet, um, like I think there was the pickup artist boom, which was like the early 2000s, but then there was like the the dating and seduction boom, um, which is kind of like what I do a little bit uh, from like 2010 to like 2015. And I think the shift has been like society is being more sensitive to uh, – offensive content. And so there's a shift of like people putting out content, whether it's dating advice or just like YouTube videos about seduction in general to where we're kind of walking on ice. But I feel like because of this overall sensitivity of people around the world right now, or just like, um, people speaking up when something offends them, I don't, I wouldn't call it sensitivity, just people speaking up. I feel like it's a good thing, even though in the moment it probably looks like it sucks because what we're actually ending up doing is we're losing respect for the people who maybe hit you with an ad and they have a Lamborghini in the background and they're like, Hey, I got a Lamborghini. If you want a Lamborghini too, then sign up for my free web class. Um, yeah, that's cool and all, but because there's so much of it and because people are so full of shit nowadays, we're kind of being more drawn to 
the basics, which is just being a normal person that people can relate to, but also delivering value that they can immediately take action upon. Right. And so me realizing all these things in my own life and just, um, not only with the content that I consume, but just like the kind of content that I want to be influencing others with. I was like, I want to start a podcast. If you don't know this, if you, you would probably know this if, if you are on the email list, which, um, we do have a pretty good sized email list. Um, but that's only because people who buy the book, they want to keep up with actual advice that I'm writing to my email list followers every morning, right? Uh, almost every morning. I'm not perfect. I miss some days. Sometimes I miss a week, but it's almost always because I had to take a step back to move the business forward in other directions. So that way I could um, hire more people so I can only focus on delivering content and value every single day on a more consistent basis, right? So um, the reason I tell you this is because if, you, if you're if you on the email list or if you've ever bought a program, you're, you're likely on the email list. And if you read the emails, you know I've been talking about starting a podcast for the last three or four months. Um, and it, I, I'm not saying the podcast would be like, what I started doing on this channel, what would happen is I would up, uh, upload it on my second channel, which is the real Patrick J. Um, it's one of my featured channels on, on my channel right now, but it, it would be a separate channel, but it's me just really being real and having deep conversations with people who are really interesting and not just um, dating advice focused, but just becoming the most charismatic, confident, courageous version of yourself, but also in a way to where it doesn't really blend in with every other fucking personal development podcast out there. I want it to be also entertaining to listen to. So people actually are relating to us, but also feeling a sense of reward and they leave listening to the podcast feeling a little bit better as they go out through out their day. And I think if we can have that type of impact, that's when there's a lot of ripple effects to where if I can impact someone like you, where I'm giving you good value on how to improve your life, improve your dating life, improve everything about you, but I'm also entertaining you. So you, you feel a sense of reward and you don't feel like you're, you're like, Oh shit, I got to sit down and do the training now. Um, cause I know that feeling it's like, I would be doing this shit anyways. Cause I just fucking want to be here cause it's enjoyable. Right. That's what I want to create. Right. And so it wouldn't be dating, but it would be complimentary. And so I've always talked about doing this at least for the last few months. I've been talking about it a lot more and we're making moves to make it happen. Um, as well as continuing the dating advice channel, right? And so the reason I tell you this is because I don't know. I think I think what you, if you take any away anything from the first fifteen minutes of this live stream, it's that we go through phases. And I went through this, especially in my dating life. And I, I try to tell this to all my personal clients too. And now I guess I'm telling it to to the YouTube channel as in broad. But I feel like. We go through phases and we kind of beat ourselves up if you're in a down phase of your life. And I, I'll tell you what I mean here. Take a drink. That cotton mouth. Uh, so if you're in dating, so for example, when I realize that I can improve my own results with dating just by shifting maybe my behaviors or the way I present myself or the tonality of my voice, when I realized that, when I had that epiphany in my own life, um, I became obsessed with it. And now going out wasn't just like, oh, I guess I'll go hang out with my boys for a little bit at this bar or, oh, I guess I'll just like go and see all these beautiful women, but only be thinking about this one girl whose friends own me. Now I'm like, fuck the girl who friends own me. I can talk to all these women and maybe get attraction from them and maybe start dating one of them, especially if I'm selectively like I'm actually taking action on talking to the women that I'm actually attracted to, not the women that I meet through circumstance. 
which is the women who are maybe my coworkers or friends of friends who get introduced to me. But now I'm like, oh, I see that girl over there. She's hot. I can go talk to her um, and see what happens. And oftentimes if I just keep course correcting, eventually I'll just get so good at it that I can eventually talk to that one chick and without a doubt, know like it'll pop, it'll go positively. And if I don't date her or if nothing comes out of that, then it's not because my seduction wasn't good enough or whatever. Cause this is like, again, that was like the pickup mentality. Now people are really um, drawn towards authenticity and just being a real fucking person. Right. And this is even in dating. So uh, my point is, I believe that that is the most, it's the best superpower in the world to have. Cause not a lot of people will ever ha have that epiphany of like, Oh shit, you can go out, you can improve yourself. You can get these, these results and you're the fucking one in the driver's seat, not her, not the luck or the life um, circumstances that happen to you at your work or your friend's social circle, whatever. No, it's like you see a girl you're attracted to and you just fucking have the balls to go up and talk to her and see what happens. And you know, if it doesn't happen, then it's not because you sucked. It's because you just weren't compatible with her. She wasn't something you, someone you enjoyed being around um, for more than a few minutes. And she was not what you were looking for as far as what goes past just the looks, right? And so when I had that epiphany, I became obsessed with it. And I was like, I'm going to go out every every weekend so I can start getting so good at this stuff to where I can have that superpower one day to be able to do that. And I'm there and I, obviously I'm teaching it to you guys now or I'm trying to teach you my mentalities looking back on it. But what happened and I'm still going through it. It's not like I ever reach a fucking end point and I'm like, oh, I've made it. Now I'm just going to tell you what to do. No, I'm always improving. And so are you. I'm just about 10 steps, maybe even two steps or one step, but oftentimes a lot of steps ahead of the people who consume this type of content. Right. And so that's where the value comes from is to where I'm like guiding, grabbing you by the hand and bringing you with me. Right. And so that's why I'm kind of telling you this long form story. But my point is when I had that epiphany, I went gung ho. I went all in. And that was a phase to where it's like you're hustling, but you're also enjoying the hustle and you're getting a lot of results. And it's a big growth period for you, not just like with your dating life and the results, but just personally, you grow as a person, you become more wise, you become more socially calibrated because you went so hard and you took focus. But you can't stay in go, go, go mode for forever. You need the yang to the ying, right? The yin and yang. They're two sides, two very important sides of the same coin. Um, and so you go through that phase, but then you kind of get burnt out for a little bit and you, you got to slow down and you got to build up the other parts of your life that you kind of had to maintain while you were building up this part of your life. Right. And so for me or for you, when you're going through that phase and you can let me know with a thumbs up or a comment, if you've experienced this too, but when you go through that phase, what happens is uh, you get the burnout and then you feel like you're you're taking a step back in your dating life and you're like, why am I getting such bad results now? And it's not because you got worse. It's just because you had to maintain, right? And so they it, it kind of goes back to this. If I didn't explain it very well, I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's kind of the experience with the live videos is I kind of got to retry the me metaphor. But there's this phrase that I heard in um in college where they were they would always say, you can either get good grades good sleep or have a good social life. You can have two of the three, but you can't have all three, right? So if you want good grades and a good social life, you're not going to be sleeping very much. Or if you want a good social life and a lot of sleep, you're not going to have much time to study. So you can't do all three. You can only do two of the three. So I think that's the same with the phases of your life is you can go go mode 
but that means your health and probably your your um because you're building up your social life and your social skills that means your health and your sleep is probably going down a little bit right and so what you're doing is you're doing just enough sleep and just enough workouts to maintain the fact that you're only focusing on this part and growing this part right so when you come out of this phase when you get burnout what you what you do is you just shift to other parts of your life it's not like you're taking a step backwards you're take you're just like you're bringing this one up and then you go back and bring this one up and then now you're a better person overall but over time you keep building up incrementally like this right and so the phases are necessary and guys get discouraged when they hit those phases and so what i'm saying is you're going to go through the phase where you go 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 mode i want to rack up the numbers i want to make out with a lot of chicks i want to get a lot of attraction from girls i want to i want to uh you know just sleep with a lot of women and just go out and meet a lot of women but then eventually you're going to be realize like one night stands are not as fulfilling as you once thought they would be um making out with chicks becomes nothing to you it's like shaking hands uh, just like approaching a chick is like a for like it's a foregone thought it's no one no longer like Oh, I'm gonna, I gotta build up the courage. Oh, I'm gonna do it. Three, two, one, let's go. No, you, you, you move so far past that to where it's just habitual. And you kind of realize like, fuck, what I'm doing in this go, go, go mode is I'm starting from scratch every single time I go out and you're going out every weekend, you're having a good time, but at the beginning of the night, you still got to warm up. You still got to build up to the approaches. You, and even though you're you're improving your skills and you're so good and you, you've slept with all these hot chicks before, right? This new girl doesn't fucking know that about you. So that means you got to show up just as good every single time if you want your results to not improve, not decline at all, right? But here's the thing. You get burnt out. You're less motivated. You start fucking up on the fundamentals a little bit and you're like, fuck, why are my results going bad? It's not because it's like you suck. It's because you just need to like yeah, take a break for a second, you know. Um, even Michael Jordan has to rest after a game. So uh, you, you take a break for a second and you start bringing back up the other parts of your life that you were doing just not just to maintain while you built up this part of your life. Am I just speaking to myself here, or do you guys actually resonate with this? Let me know. I, I just realized that I have comments coming in too. Um, <laughs> gang, 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 cool. Any tips to a club for the first time? Um, Yo, there's 11 people here. All right, anyone? Give me a thumbs up if you resonated with any of that or just like give me some comments because now I kind of want to just open this up for conversation because I forgot that there was comments coming coming in. Um, anyone get the vibe that Patrick is a mix of Joshua Pellisier and Jason Capital? Jason Capital, if you guys don't know this, is actually one of my early mentors if you don't know this. like, And I don't say that meaning I just watched his shit. I mean that before I was ever a dating coach, I was just a guy going out and taking a lot of action and, uh, and I was in dental school. So I had actually gone to college, gotten my degree, taken the entrance exam, did the interviews, traveled across the nation to do school interviews, to get, in, get into dental school, which in America or anywhere in the world, a dentist still, you call them doctor, right? And so it's a big deal. And in fact, in, in the US, um, I don't know how it is now, but at the time they were saying dental school was even more competitive to get in than medical school. And so, uh, in my, in college, I guess this all relates too, because in college, when I, uh, wanted to get into medical school event at first, I, I was going to go to medical school and then I shifted to dental, dental school. But at the time I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was like 18, 19 years old. But then I was like, shit, I'm in college. My parents are paying for this. Like, what do I do? What do I go into that's going to make a lot of money um, so I can 
say that it was actually rewarding and I got my money's worth for this college degree, right? So I wanted a successful career like any guy or person, not just guys. And so I was like, doctor, obviously. But at that point, I was getting Bs and I realized I felt like I had a lot of potential and I could get A's if I wanted and I could do anything I set my mind to just like the dating stuff. And I feel like the guys who really succeed in dating, they have this mentality in every area of your life. So get this value from this story that I'm talking about me getting into dental school and that journey, but just me having the belief in myself where it's like, I know I have the potential to achieve whatever I set my mind to. I just got to fucking focus on it. Um, I feel like the only people who have that confidence or just belief in themselves, those are the people who succeed in their dating life. So going back to my college story, um, I was doing just enough to get B's so that way my parents didn't get mad at me, but I wasn't applying myself. I would get a C or a D up until the very end of the semester where I'm like, Hey professor, what do I got to do to raise this to a B? Oh, that's it. All right, cool. Um, and that's what I would do. But then when I realized, Oh shit, to get into medical school, I'm going to have to get a lot higher of a GPA to even be considered. Right. And so for two years, and this is like when I went from, I was around 2021. And if you don't know my dating background, I was a virgin until I was 21. Right. Um, and there's obviously I'm 29 now. So there's a big growth period there that I'm kind of leaving out of this story. But yeah, that's kind of when I got really starting around this point in college is when I started to dive deep into dating vice. And, um, and so basically, uh, I focused so hard on the grades to where I stopped going out as much, which I was doing a lot of, but I still wasn't sleeping with any, a lot of chicks at the time. And also, uh, I just only studied. I sat in the front row. I was the teacher's pet for two years because I had to be to raise my grades. So eventually I, I ended up getting like five or six 4.0s in a row when I had not gotten a 4.0 ever um, up to that point in my life because I just never applied myself. And um, when I got into dental school, that's when I moved out to Arizona. And the, the way I met Jason Capital long to coming back full circle is I was in dental school and this guy, I got introduced to him, it ended up being Jason Capital, and he was making a lot of money online as a dating coach. Well, before I'd even met Jason Capital, I was taking a lot of action in my dating life by this point. And I was like 23, 24, so I literally skipped like three years in um, my story just now, um, just to skip ahead to the Jason Capital part. So I, by this point, I had gotten into dental, or dental school in Arizona. I had started taking a lot of action in my dating life by that point. Got introduced to Jason Capital went to his house in the Hollywood Hills at the time. And, uh, I told him, I was like, yo, I find this stuff intriguing um, that you're doing to create a career for yourself. Cause keep in mind, I only went to medical school or dental school because I thought that's how you become successful as a college grad. Not because I chose it because I wanted to do that profession, but because I thought that's how you become successful. Right. And so, um, I got to dental school and I realized half these people are just people like me. There's nothing special about all these other people who I was competing against to get in here. In fact, some of them are probably fucking a lot more retarded than I thought they would be. Right. And so <sighs> I need to start filtering myself by retarded. I'm not being derogatory towards people who have special needs or down syndrome. I'm just saying, I felt like I was a lot smarter than a lot of these people. And I worked so hard just to beat these people who I probably would have beat in the first place. Right. Because I was applying myself. And so again, Going back to self-belief, you got to have this in your date, own dating life too, because that was also the belief I took into my dating life that eventually led to me get to get such good results and that now I can teach it over the over video, like 
How amazing is that? I can teach this over video, talk to a fucking camera, give tips to a camera and understand what other guys are going through in a way and teach it to them in a way to where they can go, oh, that makes sense. And they go out and apply and get that result. That's a big fucking deal too, right? But I couldn't have done that had I not had that self-belief, the same self-belief that I had with dental school, medical school, grades, whatever. Um, and so uh, when I met him, he's like, dude, try it out. Drop out of dental school. And I was like, what? He goes, drop out of dental school and try it. Become a dating coach. You're good at that stuff. And he said, um, worst case scenario, it doesn't work and you go back to dental school. And I'm like, you're fucking right. Now, a lot of people will be like, you're in medical school. You're in dental school. You're going to be a doctor. Why are you going to drop out? Like your life's over unless you make just as much money one day because you're in so much debt. But here's the thing. I got to dental school because I applied myself and focused really fucking hard on the end goal on what I was trying to, to achieve. Yes, I would have to go through that whole process all over again to just to get into dental school, but I could do it again because I've been there before. So my ability to rationalize like he's fucking right. I'm just going to take action on this part of my life, see what happens because at the end of the day, it's better to have done it and failed than to have gone 30, 40 years down this one path and not saying no to every other opportunity and then looking back with back with regret because you can't get that time back, right? And so I said, fuck it, I've got nothing to lose. So I started a YouTube channel. I created my first uh, ebook that sold like almost nothing until I eventually, when my business took off, I turned it into a seminar and now it's like one of our most popular programs. It's called the Most Magnetic Personality Formula, right? So, uh, had I not like had that self-belief not been there from the very beginning, even in my dating life, um, I probably wouldn't even be a dating coach right now. Even just the abilities, because even though I was good at it, even just taking the leap to drop out of dental school and just go gung ho on this path, that took a lot of courage. And so that's why I make my, my mission and my business. I say this all the time, especially on the email list. Like, um, I just want to help you become the most, uh, charismatic, confident and courageous version of yourself because I feel like charisma, courage, and confidence, um, that self-belief in yourself, those are the big three things to where wherever you shine that fucking light, wherever you just point those three skills towards, you'll fucking succeed, right? For me, it's not just the dating life. For you, it could be the dating life because obviously that's why you're here. But when you learn that and just improving your dating life, it's not like when you want to improve your health or improve your business or improve your income or uh, improve your relationships or your friendships or anything else. It's not like you have to start from scratch in those other places because charisma, confidence, and courage are traits that you can point in any direction, but it's yours inherently because you've built up those skills, right? And so when you apply it anywhere you want, anywhere with focus, that's where you start to see results. And so if I can give you that in your dating life, something that you're motivated to take action on right now, and especially because I went through the same growth phase myself, um, that's where I truly leave an impact on you. Going back to me wanting to leave a better impact um, than probably I realized I was or wasn't doing in the past, right? And so if I can give you those three traits in your dating life now, I know you'll be a better person long-term for it. And so that's why I believe our programs, my book, um, the, the book I give away for free, literally you just pay shipping and handling. Um, and technically you pay like the dollar above shipping to, to get the book printed, but literally I make no profit on that book. Um, and so, yeah, I think the reason why our programs sell a lot or people buy a lot or they're on the email list or we're getting subscribers is because 
I'm really striving to make that impact in the people who view my videos because I've made that impact in my own life and I really want to convey those lessons to you. Um, so going back to the J Jason Capital, yeah, maybe I, you can sense a little bit of a hint there because I think inherently before he had ever given me that advice, before we got ever got introduced, um, I think inherently there were a lot of similarities there. Like we both were into basketball a lot uh, up until the age of 21. I, I still had dreams of going to the NBA and I was really crushed when I had to man up and be like, you're probably not going to the NBA, so let's try to get into medical school. Again, full circle. Um, then, yeah, so there's that similarity. We're both into basketball growing up. We both um, were people who got underestimated a lot in basketball and had to work really hard. Again, charisma, courage, confidence, applied it to our basketball lives, grew there, and that helped grow our businesses, grow our ambitions, grow our dating skills. So, yeah, there was a lot of similarities there to begin with, and that's why I think – we've kind of kept a, a relationship like that. And so that's probably why you see a lot of sim similarities too, is because like attracts like game recognized game at the end of the day, that's what they say. Um, and I don't really know about the whole Josh Pellissier thing. Um, I don't, I I'll be truthful. I don't really know much about Josh Pellissier. Um, I know I interact and do a lot of business and, and, and joint ventures with the people who own his own company, his old company, Tao badass. Um, but Josh Pellissier, I think, is so far removed from just like um, teaching and just like creating content um, that that I, I don't really I never followed him to begin with. And even though now I technically do business with um, his business partners, I don't really interact with him ever. So I don't know much about him, um, but I, I do know personally Jason Capital and we have kind of kept this. He's like a year older than me. So um, we're it's not, I wouldn't say a mentor mentee relationship and I wouldn't say a teacher student relationship. It almost feels like a big brother, little brother type of thing, just cause I think we're so similar and obviously I'm going down a similar path to him. Um, but there's enough difference there to where it's like, we can tolerate each other, you know? Um, let me read some of these fucking comments again. I keep forgetting these are coming in. Um, Good one. Definitely, Jason. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I was getting the flow with your past videos in theory, which has been has to be deeds, not words going into college soon. I'm curious about your thoughts on KU. Or K it, it was I went to K-State. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know this. I went to K-State. Uh, and the reason I went to K-State is because I grew up in uh, in a suburb of Kansas City, Kansas. So if you ever see me on my Instagram, I'm posting things about the Chiefs. It's because I fucking love the Chiefs. There's like, if you've ever been to Kansas City, you'll know that it's like a weird thing that for a long time, Kansas City fucking sucked. And there was there was not a lot that we had as our claim to fame other than maybe the barbecue and the Chiefs or the Royals. And the Chiefs and the Royals, actually, their, their stadiums are in the same parking lot. They're right next to each other. And so growing up, you go on school field trips to the Royal Stadium, to the Chiefs Stadium. Your, your, your next door neighbor has season tickets to the front row of the Chiefs game. And you go with him uh, one game because he has an extra ticket. And you, you're out there standing in the freezing fucking cold with snow coming down. Yet you're cheering your fucking ass off, right? And so because that's like the experience of growing up in Kansas City, there's this, this one uniting thing to where – Yes, people fight, people hate each other, people have enemies, there's gossip, there's cliques, like everywhere in the world, in Kansas City. But the one thing we cannot be divided on is our love for the Chiefs. 
right? So you go there and everybody's kind of friendly to each other because we all, we're all Chiefs fans. And uh, it's really fucking weird and culty, but it's really awesome at the same time. And so when I grew up there, I would go to, because like I said, I loved basketball. So I went to KU basketball camp every summer from like fourth grade all the way to the end of high school um, every summer. And that was like where they had the KU coaches training you, coaching you, um, basically scouting you from your middle school days. Um, so I went there from fourth grade, age 10, all the way to age 18. And because I had had so much experience with the KU campus, staying in the dorms every summer, growing up as a kid, and just like everybody around me is a Jayhawk fan because I grew up in like Jayhawk, Kansas City area. Uh, I went to K-State when I got the choice to go to K-State or KU. And so I don't necessarily like the color purple. And I'm also allergic to cats, with which they're the wild cats. But it was a different experience for me. And for me, having a, a, a diversity of experience in my life was uh, more valuable than just going to a school with a mascot that I'd rather cheer for. So, yeah, um, for me, I like KU better. I like their campus. I think it's more like very a lot more beautiful. Um, I think their sports are even a lot more fun to cheer for and be a fan of because they're actually good at basketball. Um, but K-State, I went because, uh, again, there's not a whole lot in western Kansas. It's just like flat ground and hicks and country music and k-state and and aggieville which is our bar scene um <laughs> which unfortunately i didn't pick up a lot of chicks at because i sucked with girls when i was in college because i was so focused on my grades um but yeah again because there's not a lot to do in western kansas again it's like it's the same type of family feel to where it's like a small town and everybody's kind of united on the fact that it's a small town even though they might hit each other objectively but they're still like friendly enough to each other at a baseline level because of that one thing they have in common. So those are my thoughts on KU and K-State. There you go. Um, yo, by the way, as I'm reading this, you might see I'm drinking out of a fucking sippy cup. My girlfriend and I got this in Vegas last summer for the 4th of July. I went with my best childhood buddy um, and his fuck buddy at the time. And then my girlfriend and, and we took like a foursome couple to uh, Vegas we didn't all fuck each other. That's not what I meant by foursome, but it was like a double date with my best friend from childhood. But anyways, <laughs> he wanted to get all these fucking alcoholic drinks that you're walking on the strip. And I realized because we we kept one of the cups, this is a sippy cup for adults. Like ch children drink, drink out of sippy cups because you can't trust them not to spill on themselves. And Vegas realizes that it's the one place where adults go to be stupid and get so fucked up that they can't carry themselves, right? So they literally sell you a sippy cup for adults that's like impossible. It's not impossible, but if you tip it over, it's not going to spill everywhere. I'm drinking out of it. I'm like, why is it so hard to drink out of? It's because it's fucking child. It's adult proof. Um, and uh, yeah, random fucking thought. Oh, God. I'm going on a lunch date with two hot girls. One is single and the other is in a complicated relationship, they both work together. Should I try to hit on one or both? Any advice? All right, I'm gonna be honest. I gotta reread that because I was uh, focused on drinking my water. <laughs> the other one, all right. I'm going on a lunch date with two girls. One is single and the other is in a complicated relationship. They both work together. Should I try to hit on one or both? Any advice? I would not hit on either of them. I've been there before, and I know you were not expecting that answer. We get some more light up in this bitch. Just gotta raise this fucking blind because the sun comes in through the window on this 
outside during the day and it's getting a little dark because it's cloudy in Phoenix for some reason. It's that smog in the air. Anyways, um, I wouldn't hit on either of them because the, there's this, it, all right. So if you've ever followed any of my like higher dollar courses, um, the ones that are more in depth with like longer video trainings that aren't just like a fucking book, I said, here you go, figure it out. Right. So if you invest in my higher dollar courses, especially legendary game, which launched last month, um, where I'm giving weekly training every week of every year of every month for an entire year to the, to the guys who got in, um, those like that's a more involved training and so i talk about the five windows of opportunity which in my book i de dedicated like four pages to the five windows of opportunity but um in my trainings like obviously we go a lot deeper because the five windows of opportunity are the entire seduction process as a whole and so if you if you've ever read the book or you kind of are familiar with my thoughts and analysis on the five windows of opportunity, um, you'll know that the fourth window of opportunity is isolation. So for you to seduce any woman, you'll have to get her in isolation, which means not with her friends, not uh, around other people, not in public, you have to isolate, right? And so whether it's on a small scale to where you're just having a conversation in a crowded bar and you just got to take her to the corner where it's a little bit more secluded than standing in the middle in front in a crowd of everybody, um, that's a form of isolation. Or you gotta, if you actually wanna hook up with this chick, you gotta get her behind closed doors somewhere where it's not other people around to see you guys making out with each other, fucking each other, so they can positively or negatively judge you depending on how they're feeling on, in the moment, right? And so uh, I'll tell you from personal experience, hitting on one of them is not gonna work. It's not like you're gonna turn on this girl, get her chasing you, and then um, take your attention away from her and turn on this girl and, and repeat it. So now you got two girls chasing you at the same time, even though they're best friends and one of them's in another relationship that you said it's complicated. Um, that sounds complicated. And I'm telling you from personal experience, it will not work. I've tried to make it work so many times. I'm like, I, I don't believe it. I'm going to try to make it work. I'm going to see if I can do it. I'm going to be the guy who figures that out. It's just not possible. And if it is possible, um, and if you do happen to do it, it's because you met the right fucking girl who is a needle in a haystack. Um, or maybe you were just really on that day which I doubt it because I, I don't think skills comes into play. I think it's more luck of just like what type of girl it is um, and what the dynamic of the relationship is. Fact of the matter is there's just so many moving parts that it makes it really hard. So if you want to, if you, if you want to hook up with both of them or either one of them, not at the same time, separately or at the same time, you got to get one of them in isolation and hook up with her first or, date her first because I realized um, the more sorry uh, the more I've kind of produced content and seen what people actually want and what information they actually respond to um, I'm learning that uh, the audience isn't all 100% like me to where I went out and went gung-ho on wanting to approach a lot of women and I got addicted to that process I also realized that there's people here who maybe got out of a long-term relationship and maybe they have a kid and maybe they don't care about rack, racking up the numbers necessarily. They just want to find another awesome woman and they don't want to be out chasing women every night. They want to meet that one fucking girl who's like, I can trust her to be around my kid. I can introduce her to my family. She's my ride or die. She helps me grow my vision in life. Um, and I don't think, I don't think they're, you're either one or the other. I think again, you go through phases, you'll go through this phase. And then eventually you'll go through the relationship phase where you want to build a little bit deeper of a connection. And then maybe that relationship ends in a way that you don't expect. And so you go back into the other phase and it's cyclical, right? Just like the stock market or 
tax season, right? It comes every year with consistency. So you're going to go through phases and you can't, you can't help it. It's just going to happen naturally as the more you take action. Right. And so I'm realizing that, uh, uh, yeah, it's just not going to work. So if you want to date her, um, or hook up with her, whatever your goal is here, uh, you got to do one at a time and then maybe get them both after they feel like they have that unique trust and connection with you. Because here's the thing, man, and I'm actually interviewing another uh, another dating coach who's a female who I also do a lot of collaborations with, especially on the email list, um, Jessica J, where I'm bringing her in as one of the guest experts for Legendary Game. And uh, we think that we're literally talking again tomorrow. And so I've known her for a few years. We've done several interviews together, several collaborations, even helped promote each other's products to each, to each other's audiences. And um, and she is like amazing and she's hilarious. And we're actually talking about the, the topic of connection and trust uh, tomorrow during, during our, our guest expert interview. Uh, and the importance of it in seduction, because, you know, we see the flashy shit online or we talk about attraction a lot, but then we also forget that for a girl to actually want to date you or be, be interested in you past just like the first 10 minutes of conversation, she has to feel a unique connection and trust with you and not in a way that feels contrived. She has to trust that, you know, if you, if worst comes to worst, you did knock her up, that you're going to be able to stick around and, um, be a good father figure for that just in case it comes to that, even though she's maybe not looking for that or you're not looking for that. If it accidentally happens, then she wants to know that you're a fucking normal person, right? She doesn't want to be dating a sociopath, right? And so, so, uh, we forget a lot of times that connection and trust is a big deal here. And so the reason why, another reason why it won't work if, if you're trying to seduce two friends at the same time, right then and there is they don't like, it kind of kills the, the connection and trust because you're blatantly showing her that I'm only interested in you for fucking you and to show you even more that I have no interest in you above just physicality. Um, I'm also going to try to fuck your friend right in front of you, even though we just met five seconds ago, right? Even though this subconscious, these thoughts aren't going on maybe directly in the forefront of their head, it's like a subconscious feeling they get. And so now that we've kind of like logic it out and kind of like called it out for what it is, like, I hope you can see the logic of like why it won't work. Um, and that's just my experience. So long drawn out answer, but hopefully you got some value out of it. Which of these two ways of thinking is correct for things to work with a girl, you need chemistry and timing or no girl wakes up in the morning saying, I don't want to get swept off my feet today. Dude, Ryan, I think. I wouldn't say one is more correct than the other. And the reason I'm going to tell you this is because that's like a group of women getting together and maybe there's a female dating coach for females teaching them how to get dudes or like keep a guy interested. Trust me, these things exist, right? Um, so I'm only moving the computer so the lighting is a little bit better. Um, and so the, the reason I say that is because if a woman was like, so – do all men just want to fuck or do men actually want to fuck and develop deep relationships? Which one of those is correct? Well, it's like so black and white. And I'm going to ask you now, Ryan, like, do you feel like you and Chris and Nigel uh, have the same intentions? Do you feel like you guys are exactly the same to where I can generalize every single guy into one, one or two categories? No, 
right? So when you when you flip this question on its head, um, Charlie Munger, who's like the the business partner of Warren Buffett, they're like business partners, but he's also his mentor because he's a fucking genius and like comes up with problem solution mentalities, right? He calls it inverse thinking. So you invert the problem. So let's invert this. If women were asking this question related to men, um, you we realize very quickly, shit, you can't generalize men like that. You can't you can't put all all women into one of these two categories unless it's female or not female, you know? Um, and so I would say both are correct. I would say, yes, if you end up with a girlfriend who's fucking awesome, or maybe you you get a five-minute pull from a club, which ironically, my girlfriend now, um, uh, I met her in a nightclub and pulled her in five minutes and didn't even say the first word to her until we were almost back in my apartment. This is at the time I was living in Scottsdale. And, uh, we, 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 my apartment was like a, a 10 minute walk from the nightclub. Um, and so it was very convenient. And so we, the first words we said to each other were like on when we were halfway to my apartment and, uh, I asked her what her fucking name was. <laughs> and so long, that was like three years ago. And then we lost touch for a little bit because she was a one night stand at first. And then eventually we got back in touch because we stayed together following each other on social media, Snapchat. Um, and, and now she's like my main chick and she's my ride or die right now. Um, and she's a fucking amazing woman. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think it, there's luck and there's timing. There was definitely luck in meeting a girl who was also horny, who wasn't on her period, who had her friends that allowed her to even leave the club in five minutes without even saying a word to this dude. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of luck in that and me and her coming together, obviously because we followed each other on social media, the timing wasn't right for us to, to her to become a, my main girlfriend um, at the time. But because we kept that connection, just like, even though she was just watching my Snapchat story um, for like five, six months, right. Before we even set, spoke another word to each other. Um, the timing eventually got right to where, there was a little bit of luck. The the cards aligned, and now we're now we're seeing each other consistently, right? So yeah, I think there's elements of both, but I also think like some girls just don't want a relationship right now. Like when I was in the phase of wanting to just go out and improve my skills in in dating and attraction, I didn't want a relationship at the time. I wasn't ready for one, and if I could get in one, which there was definitely the opportunity, because if you're hooking up with chicks, like at least one of them is going to come back, and she's going to want a relationship, you know. And so uh, I just wasn't ready. And maybe those girls, uh, if I did get in a relationship, I could have had a very fulfilling one and, um, they were really awesome people, but I just mentally, I wasn't in a space. And so I, women are the same way. Some girls just don't want a relationship and some girls do. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of factors play into it to answer your question. All right. I'm waiting. I'm wanting to do what Jason does with copywriting and I'm really only wanting to go to college for the experience. I was just thinking about this, man. Because I've had a couple of pregnancy scares, uh, and I'll admit one of them was very recent. Um, and and luckily, like, I, there's no baby. There's none on the way. We're not planning on having one uh, anytime soon. But uh, in the pregnancy scares, when you might, when you when you're sitting there and you're you don't know, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, shit, could I be a father like tomorrow? Um, would it be a boy? Would it be a girl? How do I raise this thing so that it, it has a high self-esteem and 
even if it's not athletically superior to other people in his class, it has still has confidence to be able to speak its mind and, um, and, and talk to people openly. Like, and I start thinking these deep fucking thoughts to myself just because of a fucking scare where I don't know if this chick's pregnant or not. And when you start thinking like, oh, fuck, like what would I have to do to actually instill self-confidence and good belief systems into this kid who's half me? Uh, you really start to, to realize like um, what you probably would do differently if you could go back or what you wouldn't do differently. And for me, you know my story now, if you've been here since we started this live stream, you know how, like what I went into college for and how I graduated and how I got to where I am today and who I met along the way, some of the people. Um, but going back, so excuse me, uh, going back on it, uh, I, would, I wouldn't encourage anybody to go to college if they knew they didn't want to use the degree that they were getting. And for me, I went to college because all my friends were going to college because that's the cool thing to do is like you leave high school and now everybody's asking you, Hey, where are you going to college next year? And so for me, I went to college cause I felt like I had to. And I, my, my major was literally undecided for two years. And then my guidance counselor was like, all right, you've taken all the prerequisites. Like you got to choose something. And so I took career aptitude tests and really ironically, I didn't know anything about marketing or sales at the time. And it told me I should go into marketing or sales. And I'm like, this fucking thing sucks. Like, I, I don't even know what marketing and sales mean. Aren't they the same thing? And, uh, and then I was like, you know what? I'll just become a doctor. That's how that happened. I swear to God. And, um, uh, and then eventually I dropped out of dental school to become a fucking online marketer, which is kind of crazy. And, when I say that, I don't want to say I'm not a dating coach. I'm a fucking dating coach, but to, for me to reach people and impact them, I also know how to market my services and my content in a way that's actually going to be seen and received that can impact people. So yes, I'm a fucking marketer, but I'm also a great fucking dating coach because I have all that, that experience over the last 10 years that I've fucking told you guys about on this live stream, right? And so uh, to answer your question, uh, if you're going to school because your parents are telling you, but you know you want to do copywriting, you don't need a degree to be a copywriter. And in fact, if you become a copywriter and you meet other copywriters and these people are successful or maybe they're not successful at copywriting, but you tell them, oh, I know I'm going to be good at copywriting. I just need to find out like how to do it because I was a creative writing major in college and I know everything because – but here's the thing. Copywriting is not a skill that they can teach you in college. They could teach it to you in college. They don't teach it to you in college because college is memorize and regurgitate, memorize, regurgitate. Dental school is especially that. Dental school is memorizing and regurgitate times 10, times 10. You're not, you're learning a lot, but all you're doing is fucking memorizing lists of muscle names and teeth grooves and like the names of every fucking crack in, crack in your tooth and like, ability to point it out on, on a fucking picture. That's just memorize and regurgitate, right? And so copywriting is a skill that you learn by doing. And for you to become successful at it, you're not going to become successful at it because of the trainings you go through. You're going to become successful at it because of you fucking doing it and failing over and over again until you get it right. And so if you know what you want to do copywriting, I would not recommend college to you. But if you don't know what you want to do, I would recommend college to you because what college did instill in me was when I finally focused on like, okay, I'm going to get into medical school 
and I'm going to make this happen. So for that to happen, I need to get 4.0s for the next eight semesters. And I can't get a 3.9 because then my GPA won't be high enough to get into medical school or dental school. It has to be a fucking 4.0 for the next eight semesters. For That's two years for you guys, right? And so um, when I focused that hard, I had to learn skills that had not been previously taught to me in high school or the first two years of college, which was discipline, showing up when you don't want to, um, uh, ability to believe in yourself, the fact that you can actually do accomplish a feat like that, um, time management. So for me, learning how to be disciplined enough to study when I needed to enough to where I could get an A and make sure I wasn't going to get a B if I accidentally get a B on the final for me to do that, um, those skills that I just had to become good at because I was thrown into the fucking flame, uh, the fire pit, and I was trying to accomplish something I didn't know if it was possible, uh, that helps me become a good online marketer, a good dating coach, a good person at speaking to camera, like to a camera. Because I, I said this on my last live stream, but you don't understand like how weird it is at first that I'm speaking to a fucking computer in an empty room and my dog's just laying on the ground and I don't see any of your faces. I see this text coming on my screen, but for all I know, I'm living in a fucking video game and I'm on a reality TV show. There's a camera there. There's a camera there. There's a camera there. There's a producer who's like a fucking fat dude sitting there with his headset and they're like, tell him his advice was awesome and give some emojis. That'll be funny. And then I'm like, oh shit, everybody's engaging with my content. Like, I don't fucking know. So it's a really weird thing if you really think about it for me to be talking to a camera and not even know if you guys are real at the end of the day. And so I, I don't want to get deep on here on you for a second, but all these skills for me to have gotten to where I am today, for me to have overcome everything I've got overcome to be here today, dropping out of school, um, facing the criticism that comes from you're going to be a doctor if you just show up and don't kill yourself. Uh, I'm not going to kill myself, but if you just don't like, if you stay healthy and show up every day, you will be a doctor and you will be guaranteed this six figure salary, right? For me to turn that down and say, I don't want that. I want to start a YouTube channel and become a dating coach, which most people probably didn't even know existed, which if they did know existed, a lot of people probably don't agree with the fact that you're teaching people how to seduce people. But at the end of the day, we're sexual creatures. If you really think about any of your motivations for anything you do, a lot of times it always comes back to sex. Why do you want to get a good career? So maybe you could attract a wife and keep her around long enough so you can actually reproduce and move your genes, right? This is all biological. And so everything comes back to sex. They don't realize dating is an industry is one of the three biggest industries in the world. How does Hardee's or Carl's Jr. sell you a fucking cheeseburger? They put a hot chick um, in a bikini and have her getting wet in, in soap bubbles on a Ferrari while she's eating a Carl's Jr. hamburger. Sex fucking sells. So why not like teach people how to improve themselves, have discipline, um, be able to take action, be able to overcome their own self-limiting beliefs and give them a skill to where they don't have to fall for like false advertising, like eating a hot girl, eating a cheeseburger. They know they have the ability to, um, go out and create a life that they're happy with. If maybe they get in a relationship, knock this chick up and then she gets divorced and takes half his money. And, and rather than you having a, a midlife crisis, you have the skills and the ability and the confidence to be able to go out and save your, like create the life that you want. Right? So these are all the things that I'm thinking about here. And so, uh, I forgot what I was saying, but I kind of just went on a rant there, but yeah, that's, that's my thought on that. <laughs> um, 
only go to college if you know that you want to be a doctor or a CPA or a lawyer um, or an engineer, like things that you require a degree. But most of the other stuff you're going to be able to do um, if you just go out and start doing it, period. <clears throat> All right. I love that ride or die right now. Hell yeah. I don't know what I feel, but I miss a lot of dating. Recently getting off drugs and drinking. Went to my mama's funeral on Wednesday. I feel tired of being supporting, being a supporting character in my life. David Aston, uh, I'm sorry if I said your name and embarrassed yourself, and I hope you're watching this still. Um, first off, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. Uh, I too have had a father pass away from cancer uh, when I was actually trying to become a, a doctor at the time I was in college, and so yeah, I, d I definitely you know feel for you. However. Let's let's go back to what I said at the beginning of the call. When I meet someone, and this is the definition of charisma, my definition of, of being a charismatic person, every time you fucking leave them, you, you they feel better about themselves, whether it's they walk through the, the rest of their day in a more happy, more light mood, or maybe they just remember you because you made it a positive impact on them. For that to happen, you can't be the source of negative energy and negative energy means doesn't, I don't mean like you're a fucking sucky douchebag. I mean, you're like, maybe you tell me a heart wrenching story, but that's my only experience of ever meeting David, right? If, if my only experience mentally of experiencing the presence of David is me feeling sad, uh, if I never talk to you again, or maybe if you come back to me and you need a favor from me, and I'm just talking about like it, pretend I'm talking about like a person I get introduced to at a party or something. Um, if I talk to them in person, the next time I see them, that's going to be my memory of them is the last emotion I felt around them. And this applies to your dating life too, because a lot of guys, they wonder like, why do I meet this girl at a bar and I text her and she ghosts me or she doesn't respond or um, she she's not ghosting me, but she's responding, but she never wants to meet up. You think these things to yourself, but you got to also think like, what's the impression I made on her when I was around her? Did I, was I cool, attractive, fun to be around? Was I the source of positive emotions? Okay, cool. But maybe she's still not texting you because you were so fun that you don't, she doesn't see you as a real person. She just sees you at a, as a fucking, uh, a hit of dopamine. That's all you are is a hit of dopamine to her. You're fun to be around, but it's not like she wants to introduce you to her family. She doesn't want your father to meet you, her father to meet you, right? So that's why you also got to build a connection and a trust with her and ensure that you're an actual person on top of the ability to spark sexual tension and be attractive and be playfully challenging in conversation, right? Be a real authentic person. And so uh, the reason I say that is because I feel for, I feel for your story but you're kind of playing the victim here. You're kind of like, they say misery loves company is an old phrase, right? So yes, you're going through a very stressful period in your life. But unless you can tell me the story of your stressful period and leave some light at the end of the tunnel for some positivity, then I just kind of feel like, damn, that dude's kind of a downer. And I'll tell you what, um, actual experience with this being in my dating life. When I was in college uh, and I was trying to get into medical school or dental school, whichever one, uh, and I was just, all I knew is I had to get good grades. Um, that semester that my father passed away, uh, I kind of was like, I don't even have time to stress out about this or feel, feel sad about this. I have to catch up on my grades or else I'm not going to get in. And so I met this chick who was super 
beautiful. And she also wanted to go to medical school. And for some reason, even though I sucked with women at the time, she liked talking to me sometimes, right? And we'd hang out, we'd party. I never had sex with her because uh, I was not, that was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. I was so focused on grades, but uh, I didn't even want to after partying with her and hanging out with her. Why? Because this girl, even though she was beautiful and actually uh, she had an Adderall prescription and when I was in college, she would hook me up with Adderall for free because she just liked me. And um, uh, so I kind of kept up with her, but every time I hung around her, I was like, I kind of feel like depressed right now. And I realized eventually it's because all this chick talks about is like what she's allergic to, what she can't eat, what she can't do, the injuries she's had, um, the, the, her, the fact that her dad passed away or her mother fucking tried to like everything. And I don't know if everything was true, but this girl had a sorrow story for everything. And there was never a light at the end of the tunnel. There was never any positive stories. Everything was a pity party for her. And even though she had a smile on her face and she was enjoying talking to her, talking about it, she didn't even realize she was being a Debbie Downer because she was like having fun. But at the same time, her fucking stories would always bring me down, dude. And so the reason I tell you this is because that's kind of how I felt about your comment. I feel for the fact that your mother passed away. Feel for the fact that you're going through a very hard time in your life. And I really hope the best for you. And I've been there before too. However, if, if you and I, if me and you and all the people who are watching this right now got magically popped into the same room, which spoiler alert, my goal by the end of like 365 days from now, within the next year, we're going to start doing live events. And these aren't going to be like 50 person events. These are going to be thousand people events. We're going to be start doing those with raw dating advice. And so the, if we, we, if we were all magically popped into the same room right now and you met all these people and you saw their face and they felt your presence around them, do you really want that to be the impression you make? And that's what I'm saying here is the definition of being a charismatic person is leaving the other person feeling better than they did before they met you. Whether it's just a little bit or a lot, if they can feel in a better mood after you, after your presence leaves the room, you are charismatic. You were charismatic right then, right? And so for you to become that person, I feel like I have this like burp that I can't get up. That's why I keep like pausing um, because I'm drinking this like water through an adult sippy cup. Anyways, uh, uh, it, if that's your impression when you're meeting women, you're approaching women, you're going on dates with women, right? It's no wonder why you're not getting the results that you want right now. Because whether you know it or not, the stories you tell, the emotions that you invoke during your stories, they should always be the source of fun and positive emotions. And maybe you get it on a deep subject or a tangent where maybe both of you are connecting on some, some mutual sorrow, but you also have to leave it on a high note. You got to leave it with some light at the end of the tunnel. You got to turn that, that negative experience into a positive lesson, right? And so that's what I try to do anytime I re like reveal something personal on a live stream on, on my YouTube channel or in my videos is I want to be a, a relatable person right? Because I'm a real fucking person at the end of the day. And, but at the same time, I want to give you guys some value. I want you guys to feel better about yourself or maybe the direction you're going in, or maybe more clarity on the thing that you're experiencing in your life right now. I want to have that type of influence and not the type of influence where I make people feel like they're in a negative state where I trigger them in some type of way, or I, I just like make them feel depressed. Right. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from, man. So, uh, thank you for your comment. Thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. But Please stay positive, bro. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Chris, all right, I'm gonna go back. I just see your your comment. Uh, Chris, he he agrees with me, man. I, I see your comments, even though they're I can I have the option to show or hide your comment because you, you have curse words in your comments, but um I, I see them. So I'm going back and looking for it. Just ask it again, bro. Just ask it again. No offense taken. I'm willing to learn. Talking to people is an energy. Women are angels on earth. I will play the Rocky from now. Shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, your text tips are phenomenal. Thank you, Julius. And get automatic response. But when I use my normal text, they don't respond. Take forever. Lose interest or flake on meetups. Any tips, material tips? You, try, you know, I'm going to screenshot that. And I'm going to answer that one in the newsletter tomorrow. Fuck. I'm going to answer that one in the email newsletter. <clears throat> there it is. There it is. All right. Fuck. I keep pressing the wrong screenshot. I'm screenshotting your shot or your, your, your question, Julian. Um, so let me, let me give you a few, few thoughts off the top of the dome. All right. Your text tips are fire. They're phenomenal. And get automatic response. But when I use my normal text, they don't respond, take forever, lose interest, or flake on meetups, any tips, material tips you trust. All right. Great question. Here's the thing. There's this phrase in marketing or just like sales in general. It's like if you want to start a business and you have a business idea and you're pitching your idea to the Shark Tank on TV, um, the number one mistake that people make and the only people who know you're making this mistake are business owners who actually have a, a succeeding business that brings in revenue. And the only reason they know this is because they went through the mistake that you're making right now because to, to get to where they are, they had to overcome this one thing because this is the biggest fucking sticking point for just getting better at any area of your life, which is here's it's so simple. <laughs> if you want to sell someone something or market a product to someone, right? For me to give you, make a video for you or make a training for you or a book like my book, 107 proven ways to get the girl. I had to know this before I could even write the fucking thing because if I wrote it and nobody wanted it, then I wasted all that time writing it. So I got to know what you want first. So that step one, figure out what your audience wants. So for you, we're talking about dating. Your audience is the women. What do they want? Well, you didn't know that, but you figured it out because you applied my tips, as you said in your, in your question, right? My, my, my swipe copy and paste text, text, and the advice I give you about texting and how to use all the texts I give you in, in, I have two courses. I have several courses on texting, but the most popular one is phone attraction hacks by far. The other one is 30 perfect texts. I get girls. Um, those are very popular on texting. And that's probably one of the, com the programs that you're referring to, if not both of them. And so you figured out what they wanted, which is what I told you what they wanted. Right. But then you stopped doing it. Right. So in marketing, figure out what they want and you give it to them. It's that simple. What do you want? Let me give it to you. What do you guys want? What's your question? And I'll answer it. That's, it's the same thing, right? So what do women want? They want the text and the tips and the ways to present yourself over the phone that I told you in my program. You figured out the winning formula and you gave it to them and it was working. But then your question said, and then I stopped and I started going back to what I was doing before and now it's not working anymore. Any tips? Yeah, bro. The tip is go back to doing what works. <laughs> it's that simple. Um, all right. Come a long way since my injury and realize that if I'm focusing on the pain of being in a wheelchair, I wouldn't even ever move on. I've actually been inexplicably happy recently. Nigel, that's fucking awesome. Um, that yeah, you're realizing that none of that shit even matters at the end of the day. Like all that matters is the impact that you're having on the people around you period. 
right? And if you really think about it, that's all anything is. All anything that we do comes back to human interaction. Why do you get the job? So you can keep a roof over your head. But why do you keep the roof over your head? So you can like survive. Um, and when you're not at your job, you can have fun. Well, what, why do you want to have fun? So that way I can experience life with people that I love. All right. Well, at the end of the day, everything, no matter what you do, most motivations come back to your interactions with the opposite sex or just um, the interactions or the experiences that you have in your life that make you happy. Right. And so I don't think it really matters what you, whether you're you're overweight or short or bald or not traditionally good looking or you're in a wheelchair like Nigel. You can't use that as your excuse. You can't play the victim here and use that as your your limiting setback to where it's going to keep you from ever succeeding, right? Because um, my girlfriend, she actually wrote this phrase on a mirror because I'm trying to get her into personal development too. I got her a book. And so what she did was she, it was this, I got a book of personal development that's written by a, a woman who's like a badass woman, woman. And she wrote a book called You Are a Badass and it's geared towards as personal development towards females. Got her that book and she, uh, she wrote on our mirror, you are creating your own reality. And it's so true. You are creating your own reality. And the world will tend to judge whatever. Uh, this is another quote from um, uh, Chin Ning Chu from uh, Thick Face, Thick, Thick Face Black Heart. I think that's yeah, Thick Face Black Heart. Um, that book, she says, the world will tend to accept whatever judgment you place on yourself. And combined with that other quote, you are creating your own reality. And so, if you're creating your own reality, and the people around you are accepting the judgments that you place in yourself, and you judge yourself as I'm in a wheelchair, I'm short, I'm fat, I'm overweight, I'm not good looking traditionally. This guy's better looking than me. I can't get that chick. I don't have enough money. If these are the fucking beliefs that you're telling yourself, and that's the reality that you're creating around you, and the people around you are feeling that that's your judgment on yourself, and they're accepting that because that's just all they have to go off of from the impression that you you're making on them, then dude. You're not going to succeed. You got to overcome that internal shit. And when you do, um, and when you accept that you actually have that internal shit that you got to overcome, that's when you start seeing results because you're finally free, bro. You're like fucking the genie from Aladdin and you're, you're, the shackles are off. Now you can grant however fucking many wishes you want and you don't have to follow the rules. You can do whatever the fuck you want because it's your reality and you're creating it. As long as your intention is not to offend or hurt other people, then it's good. Inherently, it's good because you're trying to advance yourself. It's survival of the fittest and you're not doing anything to hurt intentionally or offend other people. You're just trying to become yourself the best version of yourself. And as long as you strive to exceed and you're not putting these own limiting beliefs on yourself, then dude, you can finally be happy and you can finally stop being so serious in your life. You can finally be light and that freedom to be light and to be happy and to self-entertain, that's where you interact with people and influence people in a way to where they feel better after meeting you. Period. That's charismatic right there, right? And so, as soon I, the the reason I went on that rant is because Nigel, I fucking love that you finally are like, dude, I'm not gonna let this be the thing that keeps me back. I'm in a wheelchair. Fuck it. I've met plenty of people in a wheelchair that I really enjoyed their presence, and you can have that same impact on women. It's no different. You just got like women and men are a little bit wired differently in how they're attracted to the opposite sex, but after that, fundamentally, uh, we're all people and we all are, are drawn towards the so source of positive, positive energy. We're all, all drawn towards pleasure and we try to avoid pain. That's a human tendency, 
right? There's a lot of these common similarities between men and women, but in dating and seduction, we talk about the differences. That way we know how to influence the people in the way that we want to. That way it's a win-win and not a win-lose or a lose-win, whatever it is. And here's another thing uh, on a side note that's related but tangent is um, when you're going out and you're meeting women, I totally forgot the tangent when I took the water. This is fucking forget wa- for, for, forgetful water. <clears throat> I think what I was going to say is like when you go out and you're seducing women, just realize like they're emotional decision makers, right? When you can understand that women are just uh, emotional. Here's what I was going to say. They're emotional decision makers and you learn what they respond to and you repeat the winning formula. However, when you, when you see it as a formula and you see it as like I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick her up. It's kind of like that you'll, that'll get you a, a result. So like if you're a ground zero right now and that's your mentality, it's going to get you here. You're going to get better results and you're going to get better and better for a long time until you hit the ceiling. And for you to get to the next level, you got to overcome that mentality of what got you there. It's the same thing as um, what Einstein said. He's like, the, you got to shift your current paradigm to get to the next level. He, I paraphrase that, but it's basically the gist I got out of his quote. Um, his exact quote was something like, um, you, can't, you can't solve a pair... You can't solve a problem at the same paradigm it was produced or something something very poetic like that. But basically, uh, what got you here is not going to necessarily get you here, right? And so what, when, you, when you hit this point, the way you're going to overcome that, the way you're going to improve your results is actually like not the playfully challenging lines, not the constantly being the guy who has to control the frame, not seeing this as like, a, I picked you up, therefore I won and I can feel validated about myself. It's like, this is a win-win and this has to be a mutual thing. And I'm not going to force you to do anything you want to do, obviously. And in fact, if I don't like you or your personality, even though I'm physically attracted to you, I can, I'm going to choose to not be around you. Right. When you can realize that it's not like a fucking mind fuck psychology game of that we're playing here. It's like you improving your own confidence and ability or that feeling to like not qualify, overqualify yourself. I think when you get to that point in your life, um, that's where you're, you're like the best, one of the best seducers in the world. And I call it legendary game because that's literally the point of like my program, the coaching program I launched last month. The doors are closed right now. Um, so you can't get in if you're interested, but, um, that group of guys who got in it's, it's weekly action steps every week of every month for an entire year. And the goal is to give them legendary game. And my definition of legendary game is exactly what we've been talking about on this call is like for me, for you to get the superpower, I see it as a superpower to literally be anywhere in the world, see a woman you want and be able to take action and say, I want to fucking meet her and not have to wait for luck or circumstance or timing for her to maybe be your coworker one day or for a friend of a friend to introduce you. You just say, she's over there. The shortest path between point A and point B is a straight line. So I'm going to walk up there and fucking say hi and see if she's actually someone I enjoy being around. When you can develop that superpower and have the confidence to be able to go do that and know that if it doesn't work out, it's not because your skills weren't good enough. It's because you weren't compatible with her and you chose to not be with her. That's a superpower right there. And most guys will never have that because they'll never take the first step. And if they do, they'll never take the right steps in between to know the process, the learning process to get there. Most people fuck up the learning process. They try to take on too much or they don't ever put add the five pound plate to the end of the fucking barbell and never like push their comfort zone anymore um, and don't grow anymore. They, they get discouraged, right? You need the right plan. And that's why we do weekly action steps every week of every month for an entire year. 
and to give you legendary game. And so um, for for the point I was trying to make is like for you to get that, like, dude, that's at, at a certain point for you to get to that, that superpower, you're going to hit that sticking point. And the only way to get past is to realize that right now, what got you here is like learning how to spike tension, learning how to break rapport, learning how to playfully challenge, learning how to get her qualifying herself to you. And it's like the tactics and it's the technical game. It's the outer game. But for you to get to the other level, you realize that you doing this a lot and you using these as like your crutch to like, all right, she's not as attractive. So I'm going to bust out this other line that I've seen work many times. Oh fuck. It's not working anymore. Why is it not working? Because she's, she can tell at a certain point that you're going to do this a little bit more than you probably should have. And she thought you were this super confident guy, but now she's like, well, if he's super confident, I'm already attracted to him. I already trust him just because his vibe is so cool. Then why does he feel the need to spike all this sexual tension with me and say these like playfully challenging lines, these backhanded compliments, because I'm already into him. Like, why does he, why is he doing that? And you'll realize after you reflect on it, that the fact, the fact of the matter is the reason you're doing that is because it became a cr crutch for you. So every time you're doing it, you're actually doing it to come from a deficit. You think you're down. And so you're whipping out the thing that you know is proven to work. So you're like, oh shit, I got to do this as a form to convey value to her. So that way she'll think I'm attractive again, or even more attractive than she already sees me. And you realize you doing that tactic is now a form of qualification for you. This is high level shit. This is advanced shit. But for you to get to the next level, you realize like, oh shit, well, maybe I just like my personality. I'm already just so grounded by now, by this point that maybe I just drop the lines and finally just start relating to her. Like I probably would anybody because she's already attracted to you. It's assumed attraction. She can just, your aura. Is so, uh, has so much conviction and charisma. Um, and just like, she can tell by the fact that you're not qualifying yourself, even by doing these tactics, she's like, fuck, this is a real fucking man. That's when you get to the next level. And so um, I forget the question that exactly came into me, but that's how you're going to get to the next level. Stop playing the victim, start taking circumstance and not qualifying your fucking self anymore. Uh, so I have a speech apraxia and yeah, I would like to get a girlfriend who is also my best friend, but doesn't quite know because of the fact that I haven't seen her in years, such a pray, apraxia, apraxia, uh, Chris, I don't, uh, understand what speech apraxia means. Uh, just from the context of the sentence, I'm thinking that maybe it's a speech impediment. Um, maybe you slur your R's or you lisp your S's. I don't know. Um, but that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it is, but even that one of my top clients right now, uh, inside legendary game, as well as, uh, I do phone coaching with him and he, he's got like, he, I think he has like Tourette's, I think he said, but you can tell when talking to him that he stutters a little bit. Uh, and it's because of his like Tourette's, which is like a brain disorder, I believe. And so it's not like he can control it. And it's actually something that he probably won't be able to overcome without a lot of practice and conscious, like thought and reflection and maybe even medication. Right. And so I, I know he's gotten a lot better, but if you don't let that be your excuse, cause again, you're, you're creating your own reality and the world is tending to accept whatever judgment you place on yourself. So as soon as you stop letting that be the thing, keeping you down mentally, then people are going to feel that this guy just doesn't give a shit. Right. We've all met the, they actually, there's, there's studies where, um, they, they had a, if you guys have ever been to like a, a shopping center or like a convention where they have like this fucking blender and they're, they're showing you this new neutral, bullet blender, how awesome it is. It dices, it chops, it slices, and they're showing you and they're making their smoothies and the salsa. If you've ever seen anything like that at a convention or a, a shopping center or a grocery store, 
they actually did a study to where the first person was really slick and he had all the right words. It slices, it dices, it does this, it's uh and then they did another person, same person, it was an actor actually. And then the second time, what they had to do was they had to mess up. Maybe they accidentally spill everything on the ground or something like that. Um, maybe they stutter, uh, but they had to mess up. And what they found is they pulled the audience after, as they were leaving for the first pre presentation. Because when, when you do this in the middle of a crowd like that, a crowd comes around at the beginning of the show and then you hold their attention. And it's almost like a show that at the end of the, at the end of the show, you buy the fucking product, right? It's almost like a show. And so it's not like people are just like walking by and they're pull, pull, pulling these people. It's like these people stayed and watched the whole show and now they're pulling them after the fact. So they pulled the, the two groups of people, one for where he was perfect and he was really smooth to the other one where he messed up. And what they found was the people actually liked and trusted the person who messed up even more. Why? Because he was more relatable. Right, you see this other person as this perfect person, and you're like, he doesn't mess up. He's not like me, and how can I inherently trust someone who's not like me? And it's not, it's not like you're consciously thinking that, but it's a subconscious thought. You're like, I don't want to buy this fucking this dude's product because it could be snake oil because he was so fucking slick, right? And so now when he messes up, he's a real person. He's just out here grinding. You're like, you appreciate the grind. He's relatable. You're like, fuck, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Now I kind of feel bad for him. And so they actually bought more products from the guy who messed up as well. And so if you're letting your, your speech impediment or the fact that you're in a wheelchair, or maybe you're not, you don't have a six pack. Dude, I don't even have a six pack. When I got into this stuff, I stopped working out as hard because like I said, I was so, so, so much on here that the health, I was just doing enough to maintain. So I got smaller. I got a little bit less definition. Sometimes when I was growing my business, I even lost my six pack because I trust me, I used to have one. Um, and now I'm like working back to get it back uh, going again because now I can hire employees to take off the load of like all the things I got to get done. Right. And so now I'm working out again. But again, Whatever excuse you're letting your like you're telling yourself, it's just a limiting belief. It, you you might feel like it's a fact that you're shorter, therefore women are not attracted to you because you're short. Okay, well maybe in your in your world that's your reality. But if that's your reality, then other people are going to tend to accept that judgment you place on yourself, and they're just not going to like you because they can tell that height is an issue for you. But it's, if it's not an issue for you, and you're just like free, and you're being like you're not filtering your language and you're not offending anybody and you're the source of good emotions. And when I say you're not offending anybody, I mean that you're free to speak your mind and say what you want and without fear of like potentially offending other people because your intention was not to offend, right? Your intention was to be the source of good emotions and to be the most charismatic, confident, and courageous version of yourself. It's where your intentions are. And when they can see that, they're like, fuck, I didn't, like, I forgot that he was short. Like my girlfriend, believe it or not, is uh, actually an entire foot shorter than me. I'm 6'3", she's 5'3". Sometimes she claims herself to be 5'2". Um, so she's a, a foot and one inch shorter than me on a good day. Good day for me, bad day for her. And uh, I feel like most people are like, dude, how do you date a short girl? Or they see my girl or like they might run into me. Uh, sometimes I've had like people run into me while I was on a date like in Scottsdale or like in a, in a nightclub. They'll see me with whether it's like my my current main my main girlfriend or like the other girls I was dating before or like anybody I'm talking to, and uh, they'll be like, "Dude, I, I didn't expect this girl to be that short," you know. And uh, I'm like, "Fuck, she is short." I keep forgetting why because I enjoy her presence so much that I forget about all the other shit. Like maybe she's insecure about the fact that she's shorter than me, but I can't tell because she I don't think it is it 
uh, an insecurity of hers. But if it was, it probably I'd probably be able to tell, and I probably wouldn't be having as much fun around her because I can tell that this one thing that neither of us can control is holding her back from being her most free self. So that's that's what I'm. That's kind of like my my view on like what people tell themselves. So maybe you believe that the fact that you're short or overweight or you're in a wheelchair, or whatever it is. If that was holding you back before, just know that it's not a fact that that's holding you back. It's the fact that you're seeing it as something that's holding you back, and that's why it's holding you back. The soon, as soon as you accept it and accept the fact that you can't control it and go, oh, okay, well, what else can I can What can I actually control? I can control how I'm showing up for people. I can control whether I'm the source of good emotions. I can control whether I'm being my most free and authentic self. I can control whether the fact that I'm not changing my personality to be the nice guy or the romantic guy or to be the guy who is afraid to break rapport, but I'm just being me. And if I disagree with her, then I'm going to fucking tell her I disagree with her. When you're that guy, they're going to forget about your other downfalls, period right? We all have met someone who maybe traditionally isn't the best looking person in the world, but because they're so fucking passionate and on fire about maybe one thing in their life, whether it's their career or like a hobby of theirs, we respect it and we like it. We like listening to them. We like talking to them because they have wisdom. They have, we can have deep intellectual conversations. Like we've all seen or met someone like that and it's the same thing, right? But if they weren't like that and they were insecure about their own downfalls, then nobody would gravitate to them the way they do now. Period. Right? If Donald Trump was insecure, do you think he would be president? No. Do a lot of people like Donald Trump? Yes. Do a lot of people dislike Donald Trump? Yes. Do a lot of comedians make fun of his looks and his his maybe wig or like all of his other downfalls? His over the fact that he's overweight, his annoying voice. Yes. But is Donald Trump insecure about any of that? Hell no. Why? Because he focuses on what he can control and he fucking tries to take over the world and he accomplishes it, but he has no hint of insecurity other than the fact that he's maybe just like gets triggered at things that people say. And then he has no problem with telling them, speaking his mind at the same time. <laughs> but if he wasn't like that, do you think he would be president? President? No, because nobody wants to elect an insecure president or a president that they don't trust. People actually subconsciously, whether they like him or not, they trust him because he's not afraid to speak the stupid shit on his mind. Period. And we're going to do business with people we trust. We're also going to like people a little bit more subconsciously than people that we don't necessarily trust. Right. I can tell you 100% that a lot of the people watching this, this um, live stream right now, maybe they've met a really hot chick or they see a really hot chick and maybe she's really cool. But because she's so fucking hot, you probably don't trust her as much as you would have if she was a little bit more um, on the looks level as you. Same looks level. Right. Am I wrong here? Or am I just speaking the truth? I, I feel like that's pretty factual. Like just because it's it's called the halo effect that you're gonna give someone the benefit of the doubt if they're more traditionally attractive. However, that super hot chick with the fit, huge fake tits at the club who's wearing the short shorts and like is getting all the attention from all, all the guys. Do you are you gonna like if you judge a book by its cover, are you gonna go, I trust that girl? Or are you gonna be like, nah, she's just hot? Nah, like <laughs> literally, I was watching a Joe Rogan uh stand-up comedy last night. And he was talking about how the white house, and I don't know if this is a true story. I, from what I know about Joe Rogan, I'm pretty sure that he takes real life stories that happened to him in his life. And he creates, um, he, he tells the story in a way that's funny, but it's still a true story. Um, and you can do that with any story. It's just, again, the emotions, um, that you're trying to convey in the story, you just selectively amplify certain parts of the story to pull out that emotion. And so for him, it's humor. And so he told the story about how he read, um, or heard, 
that the White House recently got broken into by a guy, and he was talking about how do you fucking break into the White House and not get shot right on the scene before you break in? And he goes, I shit you not. This is exactly what happened. You can look at it, uh, look into it. It was the first time in a long time that a woman was the guard of the front of the White House. And then the whole audience got triggered. And his whole comedic, comedic skit, um, the whole thing was called Triggered. So it was like things that trigger him or like controversial topics. And they're like, that's sexist. And then he kind of made a joke about how it's actually not sexist because um, women and men have the fundamental differences. And to be honest, like I wouldn't even want myself to be guarding the White House. The guy who you want guarding the front of the fucking White House is like the, the huge barbarian fucking buff dude who's like, I must eat meat. I must kill annihilate like you want that dude guarding the white house i don't want to be guarding the white house it's not sex it's about against women right and i know i'm pretty sure like joe rogan said he goes i know that it's not sexist because here's the thing i have a wife i live with only ladies he goes i live with only ladies i have two daughters and a wife and i'm pretty sure i could kick all, all their asses if i wanted to right and he's like so i wouldn't trust my wife to be guarding the white house and i wouldn't even trust myself i want i want bruce the fucking 300 pound muscle rock uh, guarding the White House. Not me, not my wife, especially not my wife because she's a woman. <laughs> and so uh, I don't want to say that that's my point of view, but that was kind of his comedic skit. And um, the point I was trying to make is I fucking forgot, but I love Joe Rogan. But anyways, I just sometimes go on tangents. This is why I do a lot of edited videos, but I think the, the live content is fun too. Um, you'll love the thrill of being on stage. Blurry. Nigel, have you been on stage before? Uh, I'll do my best. I just need to get rid of the stress. Stress, from my experience, is simply you having an expectation in your head of the way things should be right now, and reality is not matching your expectation. And that disconnect causes stress. So for me to overcome stress, because trust me, I've gone through a lot of stress in my life. What I found the best way to overcome it is I'm looking at, okay, if that's the definition of stress and that's what I know causes stress, then what expectations do I have in my head that I know in my reality are not real right now? Maybe it's like I have this project I'm trying to work on. Maybe it's I have this thing I'm trying to get better. Maybe it's I have the flu and I'm trying to get get well again, whatever it is. But then I'm going to, what you got to do is you got to write it on paper and you got to write out everything that's causing that disconnect, right? The disconnect between your expectations and what's actually happening right now. And, um, when you, when you write it down, there's something therapeutic of, about writing something by hand, but also when you go through that list with a judgmental eye and you go, all right, which one of these things that's clearly causing this disconnect, which means it's the root cause of the stress right now. Um, which one of these or how many of these do I actually have legit control over? If I wanted to, I could change this in a way to where it's no longer on this list anymore. That means I can control it. But you'll also find that probably 75% of the things you write down that are causing that disconnect are things 100% out of your control. You can't control how people feel. You can't control the actions other people's take. people take. You can't control uh, different, different entities, companies, things, um, computers not working. Like, you can't control any of that. What you can control is your react, your response to it, um, what you're going to do to solve that problem, right? But what I'm saying for you is don't use stress as another crutch or another excuse to hold you back. What you got to do is you say, all right, this is my end goal over here. My end goal right here is where I'm at. 
the thing right here blocking me from getting here is this whole thing of fucking stress. So I got to overcome the stress first and I'm going to let that just go away naturally with time before I can finally get here because that's the fucking boulder in the way. But when you realize that stress is actually something that you're creating in your own head, literally, it's just your own thoughts creating it in your own head. What you got to do is take those thoughts on paper and look at them with a judgmental eye. And then that's where you say, okay, that's where you're actually taking action on getting rid of the stress rather than just like letting life eventually make you forget about the stress. No, take action on it right now and get rid of it tonight, period. And so that way you can get to your goals faster. That's my opinion on that. Um, do something that makes you hyped before the show. Dude, why did it get clouds so cloudy in Phoenix all of a sudden? It's not even like nighttime, but the lighting got shitty because there's clouds now. Um, all right, so do something that makes you hyped before the show. <clears throat> Thank you, bro, bro. I really appreciate it so much, man. For reals, truth, Patrick. I have I strong point. A strong point, Nigel. Trust me, you just made me ready for it. I forgot that those people are ready. They're all right. I'm just you guys are having conversations. This is awesome. I'm like I literally got on the fucking computer, turn on the the live stream on my YouTube channel, and now people are having conversations in the comments and they're interacting with each other and maybe even potentially. You know, potentially forming a friendship and i was the cause of that indirectly that's fucking awesome like i don't know about you guys but when you kind of take a step back and you just kind of contemplate things um or maybe even like journal i journal a lot sometimes too if i want to contemplate things or figure out a solution to a problem um but you you need that disconnect that space to just like take a step back and you realize like you have a lot in your life to be grateful for a lot in your life to be grateful for. And a lot of times, uh, Tony Robbins says this all the times, but like people, their state, the, the state that they're in the physical way that they feel right now actually dictates their ability to believe in themselves, their confidence, their ability to take action, and their ability to get produce positive results in their life because they don't consciously control their state. They're not, they're putting themselves in negative mind states. They're, they're letting things that are stressing them out linger and they don't realize that they can be the one who controls that stress because it's all right here between your two fingers and that's you. And because it's you, you can control it. And so he always says the, if you're in a bad mood, instantly start thinking about the stuff that you're grateful for. And a lot for me, when I first heard this and I first started experimenting with this, I was like, I mean, what can I be grateful for? Like, sure. Like my dog, like it gets excited when he sees me, but then you really sit back and take a look and you go, Oh fuck. I'm really fortunate, right? There's people in this world who don't even have a computer or a phone to be able to watch YouTube. You do. I do. I should be grateful for that because I have a privilege or just like uh, something amazing that other people do not have access to. Some people can't afford a fucking roof over their head. They have to live at their parents' home or maybe they don't even have parents. I'm grateful that I have built up the discipline and the courage and the ability to believe in myself to accomplish big things to where I'm in a position in my life to where even though I dropped out of dental school, now I'm a dating coach. I'm impacting thousands of people every day. And it's a business that can provide for me, provide for the life I want to live. And I can grow it as big as I fucking want as with as much action as I take and just doing it the right way. Right. And when that happens, I'm building a legacy for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm truly making an impact on the globe. And whether it's this big or this fucking big, it's just like, 
I'm leaving the world better than the way it was when I came here. Right. And that's what I want to do with every interaction. That's the definition of being charismatic. In my opinion, uh, you, you won't find that definition in a dictionary or in any book. It's just like, I sat back and I, I researched charisma and I, I was like, nobody fucking knows what charisma is. Nobody's defining it with a fucking needle and saying, this is what it is because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You get fucking armchair experts who have a college degree and a PhD. And now they think they're qualified to write about things that they've never truly experienced. They have only studied and they call themselves an expert. They become a New York times bestselling author. And they're the leading authority on this one subject, even though they've never experienced actually going out and being charismatic. And so I was like, you know what? I actually know what charisma is because I've experienced it and I know how to create it because I went from a place where I wasn't and now I am. And so how do I fucking do that? And I teach it to other people. And I truly believe that the definition of charisma is your ability to have your presence affect people in a way to where they feel like they're in a better state when you leave their presence, period. And uh, try to dispute that. Try to prove that definition wrong. I haven't been able to do it yet and I'm not even calling it. Here's the thing. I'm very scientific. You know I'm like – you know my background. I have a biology degree. I was going to be a doctor. I'm very scientific thinking. So for me, I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm saying that is my hypothesis right now, and I'm trying to find evidence to, to falsify it or to contradict it. That way I can say, all right, this hypothesis is wrong or correct. But the more you prove a hypothesis or the more you find that you can't disprove your hypothesis, it starts to become a theory, even though it's not an actual fact yet. And this is just – I mean this is like – pretty relevant stuff in the news right now because yesterday then they literally came out with the news that they got the first actual picture of a black hole every picture of a black hole that you've ever found or seen on the internet or in movies is always cgi it's always computer generated and i didn't know this finally they got a actual live photo with high resolution telescopes and uh these fucking sensors and they put eight of these fucking things all around the world and they all pointed at the same point in the sky at the same time and took a picture that was clear enough with good weather and they got a picture of like a 360 degree view of a black hole. That's fucking big. And what they said is this is a big moment in science that literally happened yesterday because this is evidence that the theory of relativity is actually more t- truthful than we thought, right? Right now, relativity is not a proven law in science. It's a theory that we are trying to disprove or prove. We're just out there researching, right? And the picture of the black hole, what they deduced from it is a strong supporting evidence that the theory of relativity is actually more correct than we thought it was, which is big news, right? And so for me, like if you can disprove my definition, my hypothesis or theory about charisma, go ahead. But right now that's the definition that I have. And that's kind of like the goal here. And so I think in your dating life, always keep that in mind too. And keep in mind, like, I believe that you will truly reach whatever level of success you want in your dating life as far as your ability to go out, meet and attract and date and seduce women and achieve whatever you want. If you truly understand the fundamentals of human interaction, like on the level that we've been talking about on this call. Um, and so I know a lot of this stuff, maybe if you're just starting out or you just want to know what to say, like, just do, just tell me what to say. This is higher level stuff, right? I have programs, I have videos that teach you what to say. I teach you what to what to talk about, how to text, how to do all that stuff, um, how to get out of the friend zone, how to approach. It's all out there on my channel or in my on my email list or in any of my products, especially in my book if you don't have it yet, right? But this is higher level stuff here. And this is like if, you, if you've been succeeding with that level and now you're like, fuck, I'm hitting another sticking point and I can't figure it out, 
likely it's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about on this call. This is higher level stuff. This is like deep seated stuff that we're talking about here. It's a good feeling, huh, Patrick? Uh, not sure what you're talking about. It is a good feeling, actually. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I'm not getting time for day game. When do I see? When I do see women while passing by, I feel as if I've to be in the right place, mind frame. How do I do this? How do I be in that state slash mindset always to approach? Well, you realize here's another thing. So for those of you watching this who do not know what legendary game is, like I said, it's my coaching program that launched my email list and my Instagram followers, um, but not the YouTube necessarily um, last month. And so we got a bunch of guys in this coaching group. Um, this mastermind is what we call it. And what I'm doing is I'm delivering them training uh, content, training material to build their game from ground zero all the way to legendary game, which we've been talking about uh, my definition of that on this call. And I give them weekly action steps every week of every month for an entire year, right? And so uh, what the reason I'm talking about this is because the first month, it's it, we have a different focus each month. And each focus and each action step and each training builds on top of each other, which means if you're taking action, um, uh, you're actually improving because you take action on this sticking point and that's like putting one foot in front of the other. And then next week, put the other foot in front of the other. So you're always moving forward and you're never getting discouraged. There's no guesswork on what's what you got to do next, right? So for you, the, the reason why we talk about approaching in month one is because you're not even in the game if you can't approach a chick. You're not. Right. If you if you see that girl over there, even though you know what to say, you know what uh, works uh, theoretically because you read the book about attraction. You read 107 proven ways to get the girl. Right. You know theoretically what would work, but if you haven't actually gone and talked to her yet, you're not even in the game. You're still on the sidelines. You're still on the bench warmer. You're still you might as well have not even read the book. You know, because nothing in your life changed. So that's why we talk about approaching on month one. So for you to get in that mentality, you got to stop thinking of it as approaching. And we talk about this a lot in month one of a legendary game. Um, and, and we'll open up the doors here again soon. Uh, maybe a lot sooner than you guys think. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> um, but the reason why month one is all about approaching is because we got to get you in the game first before we can improve your ability to attract or seduce or connect or be charismatic or um, pull or text or any of that. You got to be in the game first. And it's not like, you know, oh, I got this girl's number and now I want to know how to seduce her. It's like, no, dude, let's teach you how to fucking fish first before we start fishing. And let's actually get you fishing before you start just like you the, get the first kid, fish that you catch and like be happy with that for the rest of your life. No, dude, go out and actually master the skill of fishing first and then let's go to the next level. And it doesn't take a year or two years. It takes a month, right? So that's why we do it in that way. And so uh, – yeah, so the number one tip I can give you, bro, is call it out for what it is. Approaching women is not this big daunting task that you're gonna you're gonna go out, you're gonna do the approach thing now. It's not that. It's simply you saying, I'm tired of only being able to talk to or date the attractive women who happen to sit next to me in class or happen to sit next to me in work or happen to be at the same party with me and our friend mutual friends introduce us. I'm tired of letting life come and give me the circumstances that I have right now. I want to actually start taking control of my life and I want to actually start taking action in my life. And so rather than waiting for, for some white knight to run right into my life and introduce that girl to me in a way that she's actually going to be attracted to me, even though my game sucks, I'm going to take action and improve on my ability to actually just meet her myself and, and be confident enough 
in my ability to know how to attract her, how to know how to connect with her, know how to move this interaction forward, know how to start the dating process, know how to sleep with her, know how to make it a win-win experience rather than like me feeling I like I snuck one over on her. That's just called taking action. And you're not in the game if you don't know how to approach women. And so for you, stop making it this big daunting task. Just realize that it's simply you taking control in your life. That's it. It's not you approaching a girl. It's you saying, I'm just going to see oh, I, that girl's hot. I'm going to just go see if she's a, a normal person, see if we get along, period. See if she's someone I even enjoy their presence. Before I before I think I want to sleep with her, I got to know if she's actually someone I, I can actually stand to talk to. I got to know her voice isn't annoying. I got to know she doesn't do a weird fucking laugh that's like uh, sounds like a, a high squealed pitched dolphin, like a dolphin squeal, right? I got to know these things before I even want to take her back to my place. I don't want to introduce an annoying chick with a man voice to my dog. I want to introduce a girl who I'm actually attracted to to my dog, a girl who I actually enjoy being around, right? So when you realize that it's just simply you starting a conversation with another person who happens to be in the same room as you and then seeing what happens from there, that makes approaching women less of a daunting task, right? And so for you, um, that's my one tip of advice just for the purposes of this video. But if you want to know more about that exact topic, go watch my last live stream, which is literally the last video I posted, I believe. Um, any suggestions on where to start learning copy? Um, a lot of suggestions, uh, books actually, here's what the first thing that I would do. Um, copy is something that I've only gotten good at because I have my email newsletter, which means I'm writing copy every day, whether I'm teaching people how to do something in the newsletter or sending them to, uh, one of my products that just got released or just got, um, we just put a discount on it for a limited time, right? For me to inspire someone to open my email, read the email, be intrigued by it enough to where they're going to click the link and go buy my product, that takes copy. And I've done that 95% of the days since I dropped out of dental school three, four years ago. And so for me, I got good at it because I wrote a lot of copy, even though I sucked at the beginning. And copy, writing sales copy is not, um, it's, it's not about knowing how to write. Like we've all written papers in school. It's not that at all. It's completely different. You're going to have to unlearn every fucking like skill that your English teacher ever taught you, unlearn all of it, and then build up how to actually write something that influences another human being. So the way for you to master that, for you to get started is to just start. That's that's the best tip because you're not going to be able to do get good at it by, by studying it. You're going to get good at it by starting. And the next tip is take proven sales letters with good sales copy and write them by hand from the very first word you see on the page all the way down to the bottom, just copy it and write it by hand. And that's like an old school tip, but it, trust me, it works. You do that every day for 14 days or 30 days or 60 days. You'll notice the difference in your ability to write something that influences someone after just two weeks of doing it. If you do it every day for an hour each day, I promise you that. And I know that from personal experience, like it'll be a visible difference in your ability to influence another human being. Um, so that's my tips is write proven sales letters by hand and start period. Uh, ah, fuck. I'm good at my English class. That's the number one thing I hear from new copywriters and trust me. No, nah, you're not good at sales copy yet. Uh, 
you might think you are and you might write your first thing and you'll feel like, oh, I'm going to knock this homework assignment out of the fucking park because that's what you're used to when you write. It's like a homework assignment that you fucking dread. And so sales copy is different because you got to write in a way that influences and that mentality of going into it and just like every fucking thing that they've ever taught you in English class, it makes your writing so uninteresting and so dry and so boring to read that nobody's going to be influenced by it. So you got to unlearn everything you've ever learned about writing and start writing in a way that actually influences other human beings. And that's how you get good at it. Um, so try to write something that will influence someone hundred percent, dude, hundred percent. Um, whether it's like a Facebook post and you like you, you can do this anyway. Anything you see on the internet, video titles, video descriptions, um, the words you see on a, a page that has a button to go buy something, the banner ads you see, it's all copy. But the only ones that succeed at it are the ones who actually write something that's good enough to be seen and, inf and heard and like received by someone. And so uh, we're getting off top, the topic of dating now, but yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's influence. So what, whether it's like you posting a, uh, an, an interesting article on your Facebook timeline and you're telling all your friends, go read it, your ability to get someone's attention who's scrolling through Facebook with the first sentence that you write and just like get them to stop scrolling momentarily and read your post and then say, oh, that sounds interesting. And they click the see more button and then they read the rest of your description. And then at the end you say, hey, by the way, go check out this article I, uh, that I just wrote or read. It's really interesting. For you to get someone to stop scrolling on, on their fucking mindless haze of Facebook and then read your post and be interested enough to click the link and actually go read the blog post that you posted or the blog post that you found interesting that someone else wrote, that whole thing, at any point in that time, they could have seen it and then the first line wasn't good enough but it was good enough to get them to stop and then they just didn't continue reading or they thought what you wrote was interesting but they didn't want to click. For you to motivate them to keep taking action on the actions that you want them to take, that takes skill. And for you to master that, you got to just do it so you learn what people actually respond to. Is ego a minor hindrance in pickup? Yes. Why? Uh, again, you always know who's like, what if you're actually if I'm, I'm not naive enough to accept that i'm probably the only dating coach that a lot of people on youtube watch i'm sure a lot of people get suggested um other videos from other coaches as well but the number one way that you can tell if someone's legit or not or if someone's just full of fucking shit and it's the same thing and if you are wanting to attract a woman and get her to trust you enough for you to actually seduce her or like in a way that she's actually feels like it, it was a win-win um it's what do they do and why are they doing it? And what I mean is the number one trait of like insecurity or like bullshit is overqualifying yourself. And so when you're talking to women, you already know that it's going to turn her off. If you start qualifying yourself, you're bragging about your, um, what, what makes you fucking awesome. You're, you're telling her why you're, you're qualified to be dating her, right. And why you're trying to convince her why you're on her level. But anything you do, whether – and I told you about this earlier, like even at some at a certain point, your game's going to get good enough to where you – you like the more you playfully challenge a girl, it's only going to work against you because someone who truly had the ability of the level of confidence that you've already portrayed to her would not feel the need to do that again because it just makes you – it's like it's a subtle form of qualifying yourself. And so for people, if you're choosing to learn from them, 
do I feel the need to brag about how many chicks I've slept with? If so, why would I say that? Because my ego feels the need to be validated, validated by a lot of people who I feel like haven't slept with as many women as me. So that way um, they listen to what I say. But that's not me trying to influence. That's trying me trying to validate my ego by bragging about myself. Right. So you, there's a fine line between me telling you that I'm author, an authority on this subject and uh, and like showing you. And it's not it's also me not telling you because me telling you is almost a subtle form of qualification. Michael Jordan doesn't have to show up to the gym and tell people he's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan shows up to the gym and just starts dribbling a basketball and they go, that guy's fucking good. Right. It's the same fucking thing. So the coaches, the gurus. Whatever niche you're on, um, or even just like the women you meet, the people you meet, the friends you meet, the business partners you meet, the business contacts you meet, the people you get introduced to, look for this. What are they doing and why are they doing it? Are they are they puffing up their ego or are they or it or are they embedding a form of authority in me so that way I believe what they say? There's a fine line, but when you cross that line, you know that they have a subtle insecurity about it. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've done it before too, right? But you you got to see that and you don't see that until you actually go out and take action and notice the subtle uh, difference, the differences and the subtleties between the differences of like the people you interact with, right? This is why you have to take action. And this is why the only action is the only way because you can't study that. You can't. Um, so just got the book a week ago and it's been a massive eye opener. Yes. I, I, so here's the thing. The internet is weird because, and I, I feel like we all, we've almost been going for two hours, but I love the fact that, I don't know, I'm just talking about shit that interests me in the moment, which you should do on your conversations with women anyways, because that's, this is a good, like if you were a woman right now and we were having this conversation, I promise you um, we'd be having sex in about 30 minutes. Why? Because this is a, this is a mutual conversation. We both want to be here and I'm not trying to, I'm not qualifying myself. I'm not also the fact that if someone's holding themselves back and they're changing be, their behavior to, to not offend or to not break rapport or to maybe amplify per, part of my personality in a way that I, I hope attracts you. If I'm not doing it just because I want to do it and I'm doing it just to get a result from you, that also is a subtle way of qualifying yourself because now mentally you're conveying, especially if they become aware of this, which most women are socially aware of like why you're doing this or they're just going to assume the worst, which is why seduction is like hard in the first place, especially approaching because if you mess up at all, they're just not, they're not going to give you the time of the day. A, a lot of times the only way you're going to get the benefit of the doubt from a woman is by not qualifying yourself or not doing these things like puffing up your ego just to try to get a result from her. Right. And as soon as you can eliminate all of that needy behavior and all of that qualification behavior and validation seeking behavior from your, from your, um, the way you interact with people, the way you talk to people, that's when like just people just start assuming attraction. And that's why in my book, the first chapter is literally talking about how to eliminate the three behaviors, reaction seeking, uh, approval seeking and validation seeking, uh, yeah. So that's why I make it first chapter because it's the most important. Cause if you can't do that, um, you're not going to get any results. And the fact of the matter is that's one that's present at all times because you'll start getting results and then you'll start getting cocky. And then, uh, because you get cocky, the world always finds a way to humble you. Right. So in my hot streaks, I get cocky, I brag about it and I feel like I'm fucking God on earth. And then 
then the universe says, oh, you're getting a little too cocky right now. And, uh, and then for the next month, I go through a fucking cold streak and it sucks, right? And that's women, business, anything. As soon as you start getting cocky, as soon as you start trying to like, you believe in your, you believe in your own hype as well as, and, or, um, doing things that got you here just as a crutch to convey value to someone else that will work against you. Promise you, I'm going to go turn on a light, but, uh, I'm also going to get out of here in like five, 10 minutes. So if you have any questions that you want to ask, uh, now's the chance while I turn on these fucking lights. Um, <clears throat> Oi, they. All right. Now is your chance. <clears throat> Been listening to Patrice O'Neill the last few days. Been blown away. What's your take on him? Uh, never heard of him. So uh, I'd love to answer that, but I don't even know how to answer that because I've never heard of the person. <clears throat> Someone, something I started doing is watching shows and movies that feature a charming Casanova type of guy and analyze what makes them attractive. Yes, it's a very good way to do it. Um, and that's, uh, there's that old saying, it's called imitate then innovate, right? And so if you want to get successful at something, be it dating, life, business, uh, anything, um, <clears throat> find someone else who's doing the life or that area of their life, the way that you want to do it or the, the results, they're getting the results that you want and then copy what they do. Um, and then as soon as you master or you're able to reproduce the result consistently that they're getting, um, or maybe just like a step in the right direction and it's consistent, that's when you can say, all right, I've, I've essentially done this so many times to where now I'm getting that same result over and over again to where that's just part of my identity. And now I can innovate on that. And naturally, you're just going to innovate on it because you're going to get bored with doing the same cookie cutter thing every single time, right? The reason why I was able to write a book about 107 different ways to spark attraction with women uh, with women throughout the entire course of the second you meet her to as long as you want to date her, the reason why I was able to write 107 chapters about that is because I've imitated what works. I've produced the result of what works for me or with other people for me. And I did it so consistently to where when I said the same thing over and over again and got the same result, I got tired of saying the same thing because then it just felt like, uh, <laughs> then it just got boring. Right. So then you got it. You're going to naturally innovate the more you take action. it's like, it's like playing uh, a video game. Right. I, when I, I just started playing, so keep in mind, I haven't played a video game for like 15 years. Um, mostly because when I was a kid, I was an only child and I did a lot of playing with toys by myself um, and playing video games on myself that at a very young age, younger than most children, I realized I'm still sitting here by myself and I'm really bored playing this video game by myself. So I didn't, I wasn't into playing video games. Um, but I do like football. And so I started playing Madden football, uh, lately. I just got an Xbox like a couple weeks ago and I've been playing a lot of Madden football and I'm promise you, this is relating to the, to the lesson I was trying to convey, but I'm playing Madden football and I'm getting really good at it. Right. And, uh, and what happens is like in Madden, if you've ever played a football game, if you're not from the US, uh, what happens is you pick a play and you're on offense and you do the play. And then when you're on defense, you pick a play and the offense picks a play and you just try to score, right? And what you do is you find the more you play it, the three or four plays that work consistently and they produce the result that you want. This is the same thing with dating. 
Um, you, you might find the right, the one line or the one thing you do or this one move or the way you touch her. And that is, that's like one of your four go-tos. And uh, yes, it'll work for you, but eventually it just gets fucking boring. Like I'm sitting here, I'm playing Madden and I realize, oh, I've been playing this game for three hours now. Um, I don't do that a lot, but when I do, I'll play, I might play for like three hours at a time sometimes. And this is like at night, like before bed, after I've worked the entire day and I just can't look at my computer screen anymore, those types of days. And, uh, and I'm playing Madden and I realize why I've literally just been sitting here playing, pressing the same combination of buttons, running the same four plays for the last three hours. And eventually I'm just getting tired of fucking doing the same thing over and over again. So that's why imitate then innovate works. Cause you're just imitating until you get so good at the one thing that you're imitating that it becomes boring for you that way. Uh, so that if you want to continue or you want to get better, the only way you're going to get better is start doing shit that actually like you find funny or self-interesting or self-entertaining or like changing it up in a different way, adding a different element. And that's why I also got good is because I also am very scientific in my thinking. I take the experimental approach to everything. And so when I got bored with one way of doing things, I would intentionally do it a completely opposite way just because it was new. It was exciting. It was different. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to succeed, but I'm going to treat it like an experiment because if it doesn't, I'm going to be like, ah, well, that one way didn't work. So let's try it a different way. And it became like a fun game for me. Right. And so I also think that's also another thing that humans just naturally have is like that curiosity uh, of taking action of like the curiosity of like trying to figure out the way things work. And so for me, because I amplified that mentality and that scientific thinking in the way that I approach just improving my own skills of like attracting and meeting and approaching and connecting with and uh, pulling uh, women and dating women uh, and getting dates and texting women like when I took that that mentality towards all that, that's when I was able to flourish and get a wide skill set and get really good and really uh, fine tuned um, and really like calibrated, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, so there's this girl I'm really into. I feel I could get her, but the timing isn't right for me or her seemingly. How do I go about setting things up with her for when I eventually make a move? Uh your, your question confuses me because you skipped a lot of steps there. It's like, you like this girl, but she doesn't want to date you and you're not sure if you want to date her. So how do you set things up so that way you can make a move and it works? Well, that clearly tells me that there's a contradiction between the first part of your question and the last part. Cause you're like, I don't know if I want to date her. I just find her attractive. How do I set things up to make a move? Well, dude, you just told me you didn't want her and now you're telling me you do want her and now you're trying to influence this situation in a way to where you're feeling like you're sneaking one over on her and you're just like manipulating the matrix in a way to where when you do this one thing, it's going to fucking result in her sitting on your cock, right? It doesn't work like that. And if it does, if you do get a result, um, it's not going to be a consistent result because right now you're still on that lower paradigm of thinking to where you're, you're thinking like, What's the, the buttons I press in the right order to like get this result. But again, you're only doing those buttons to convey value to her, to show that you're good enough to way to where she concludes that she's attracted to you and wants to sit on your cock. And this is again, advanced thinking, higher level thinking. It's kind of very, it's like you're, you're not thinking about this attraction and seduction on a surface level anymore. We're going to another level deep. Right. And so that's what this is. You got to think about the motivation between behind why you're doing this. So my answer to you is hang out with her. See if she's cool. Uh, don't qualify yourself. 
uh, use any one of the 107 proven ways to spark attraction and build that attraction up like a spice in the dish and uh, be able to lead it through the five windows of opportunity, which is literally chapter 69 for uh, obvious reasons in my book, 107 proven ways to get the girl. So uh, that's my advice to you. I'm going to start writing influential letters to friends and see how they respond. And might I think it might help me with learning copy. Yeah, dude. Um, one of the best ways that I learned copy is when I was in dental school and I knew I wanted to start getting good at learning copy. Uh, I started a newsletter for my dental school class. Your dental school class, the one I went to was 150 people. You see these people every day. You're in class with them every single day. The same 150 people. And it's not like different classes. Like in high school, it's one big room with 150 people. And it's the same 150 people every day. You sleep with these people. Yeah, you literally, I literally slept with a few of those people. I um, party with these people. I hang out with these people. I break bread with these people. I take tests with these people. I study with these people. You know them on a very intimate level. And you're also all kind of in this professional setting. And so, uh, I started writing a newsletter that was like our class newsletter. Um, and I started giving it away for free, um, to my whole dental school class. Uh, and I, I think we only got like three or four editions in before I just realized nobody was responding to it, but yeah, dude, that's all about taking action and then learning what works, what doesn't work for me. Who knows? I, if I would be here, had I not done that one newsletter that only lasted four weeks, um, because, I think even though it wasn't being well received by my dental school class, um, not in the sense that they weren't interested or they didn't like it. It's just like they didn't know it existed. And so a lot of people weren't even reading it. And then when they did, they're like, oh, what's this? I, oh, I didn't know we had that. Like it was just kind of confusing. But I still got a sense of reward from it. So I was like, oh, this is fun. I want to do this more. I want to create content more. I want to I want to write. I want to create videos. I want to take this to the next level. And that that one little seed probably planted the idea in my head to eventually start a YouTube channel. And here I am. Um, so I want to date her in the future. I meant, haha, just not right now. So how do I treat her for the moment? Hang out with her, attract her, do those things. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here, man. My voice is getting tired. Hope you guys got some value out of this. I kind of just turned on the camera and started talking without a point or rhyme or reason. But I think because I didn't go in with any expectations, hint, hint, if you go into your interactions like this, I didn't go in with any expectations and I just showed up and bit was the most charismatic, confident, and courageous version of myself. I didn't uh, feel the need to qualify myself, right? And I'm only saying this out loud so that way you can take the same mentality towards your dates or your conversations with women. But that free uh, that freedom to allow yourself to just be your most like talk about stuff that interests you, that's what's attractive. And if you can take that mentality to your dates to where, you know, the right, I know we've been talking about like the higher level shit and the deep, the motivation behind why you do the things that you do. But at the same time, you have to go through the learning phase of learning how to break rapport, how to say this line, how to qualify women, how to get her chasing you, how to break the touch. You have to go through that phase. But when you hit that sticking point and you can't figure it out, it's likely what we've been talking about on this call. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys got some value out of it. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here, man. Peace.